Hello, Chomp Nation, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp. It's a podcast where if you listen long enough, you will suddenly realize that there are about 40 days left of 2021. Thinking to yourself, How the hell is that even possible? Well, don't worry. We have a few more weeks before the new year. I can't do that anymore. Sorry, guys. We have a few more weeks before the new year, and the shows that we have planned are going to knock your socks off. This week is going to be a hell of a show. We have seen a lot of scandals happen in the gaming world recently. Naughty Dog and Crunch Culture, CD Projekt Red releasing an unfinished game, Activision and Blizzard's multitude of issues that are, quite frankly, too long to list. And somehow, Bobby Kotick still has a job. So, when these scandals happen, how can a gaming company recover? We are squeezing in our last few games of the year before our Game of the Year shows. So today, we're going to be talking about the Halo Infinite Season 1 multiplayer dropping, Forza Horizon 5, Shin Megami Tensei 5, the Ruined King, A League of Legends Story. Those are the games we're going to be talking about this week. And also, you voted on the polls this week, and we're going to be reading the results. The polls revolve around the Halo Infinite multiplayer dropping, Xbox 20th anniversary, gaming and blockchain technology, chip shortages and delays, Pikmin Bloom, and Black Friday sale announcements driving me up the fucking wall. <sighs> Keeps to get to. So let's get you acquainted with the crew you know and love. Today, I am joined by the editor. He has been busier than a whole colony of bees. He's in the sword shop hive just making that sweet honey that you love eating. Twerking that sweet ass in here all the way from New York. It's Rich Meister. Rich, how you doing, buddy? Uh, honestly, tired. Yeah, probably tired from all that twerking. Yeah, I really should cut back on that. Um, Burns calories. It did, yeah. A um, lot of uh, research stuff, man. We're recording a very, very <laughs> hefty chom- chomping at the bits this weekend. That transition. Uh, <laughs> it initially sounded you're like talking about researching twerking, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no. Uh, We're really buy- buying into the bit. Sorry, no, 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 continue. it's just research. <laughs> it's, it's purely, purely empirical. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, a lot on the plate. There's a lot more games right now I'm playing than I thought I would be uh, come this, this point in November also, and I can't believe the fucking month's almost over. And it's almost Thanksgiving, and I need to make time to go see people and be a, a social person. And it's a lot, man. Ah, who needs it? Who needs all that? Mm. Need some of it. Sounds like that's for the birds or the bees, rather. I don't think so. Damn it. Bees really just like pollen, it's kind of their thing. Yeah, yeah. They do. Oh, and some of them like small insects, actually. Some of them eat smaller insects. Don't we all? I mean, yeah, that's technically true. But yeah. Uh, Yeah, not on purpose, but it happens. No, no, definitely not. But Rich. Sometimes on purpose. Thank you for being here. I'm glad you uh, 
showed that sweet ass on camera. I appreciate it. That didn't happen. Well, it did in my mind. Next, we have a man who professed his love to the world's first talking squirrel. The squirrel replied, I wish I was a human so we could make love. My friend, Josh Fowler, threw up and walked away after hearing that the squirrel didn't understand subjunctive mood. And for those of you out there that don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. But not before you hear Josh making his way here from North Carolina. Josh, how you doing, buddy? I didn't know where that joke was going. and Somehow the payoff makes less sense than anything I possibly could have imagined coming out of that setup. Do you need me to setup. explain subjunctive mood to you? No, I, I need to understand. <laughs> I broke him! The squirrel. It just seems in- completely ancillary. To I just that- didn't like the voice. Mm. <laughs> well, here, well, That's let not me the direction each, I would have taken that character in. Let me address each one of your guys' concerns. First off, yes, the squirrel was ancillary. And truth be told, as I, was, I started writing that bit, I was like, I don't know how to introduce Josh this week. So I literally wrote down the first thing that came to mind. And it was like, Josh fell in love with a talking squirrel. The world's first talking squirrel. Okay, where uh-huh. do I go from here? And I sat there for a few minutes and I'm like, you're subjunctive like, yes, mood. And- I was reminded of subjunctive mood this, <laughs> mm-hmm. this past week. Let me just throw that in there somehow. And there you go. There you so, go. yes, it, it was two ideas coming together and it made zero sense. And that's exactly the whole point. Yeah. And um, to address your concern, Rich, suck a dick. Thanks. No problem. Anyways, Josh, how you doing this week? <laughs> all right. Doing all right. Been busy this week. We've had a bunch of people in-house for the week Um, Mm. so i've not had a lot of time to get much done been busy the whole time but not doing anything just you know not accomplishing much just doing josh the entertainer this week Mm -hmm. did you get on stage and talk about crazy white people ah those crazy white people and their macaroni and cheese You think we own macaroni and cheese? Is that? I think that we are most attributed with that, actually. Your hubris is disgusting. Macaroni and cheese is for everyone. Uh, Yeah, it is. Craft. Stealing one of the pillars of soul food. Right there. (laughs) Classic white guy. I'm not saying the origins are from us. I'm saying it's most attributed to Mm. us. I mean, what what other food do... Yeah, let's not go down that road, actually. (laughs) I'm going to stop Well, Josh the Entertainer, <laughs> I'm glad you're here this week. Even though you didn't play much video games like me, we're going to have some fun talking about them, I think. It'll yeah. be nice. Yeah. Of course, I am your uh, questionably decent host, Shay Layton, and I come to you now excited to talk about video games. But before we do that, I have to introduce our guest. Yes! We have friends, believe it or not. And one such friend made time from his busy schedule of watching Seinfeld on Netflix for the 28th time to talk games and gaming companies and yada, yada, yada. Joining us on this most glorious of evenings, please welcome back to the show, Bebop. How you doing, buddy? Hello, it is me, the Bebop. <clears throat> oh my God, my voice went out. <laughs> Takes two. I thought that squirrel was here. 
You know, uh, I really wish that uh, my busy schedule included time for watching Seinfeld because I love that show so much. But I sadly, honest- no, it doesn't. I honestly get why people and you love it now because I've been, ever since it got put on Netflix, I've been marathoning it, watching it from beginning to end for the first time ever. And when, when I was a kid, I was like, eh, it's, it's all right. I mean, you know, I didn't really get it. Now that I'm an adult and... I, you know, I've lived life a little bit, not a lot. Quality just a program. Bit. I understand now. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Speaking of marathoning shows, have, have any of you seen, uh, midnight mass? I just finished it that. recently. Okay. I, we, me and Kayla, we got back from Chicago and we were like, we need to watch this and we need to watch squid games before anything gets spoiled for us. Yeah. And we, mainline that shit in like two nights it's fucking <laughs> bonkers isn't it oh i loved it i love it might be my favorite thing that i've watched this year raul coley is a fucking treasure oh he's so good i love him i i gotta watch that show i've heard nothing but it's really things. like the thing is I, I think it's so great that i really haven't seen it being spoiled in any major ways anywhere because like the big reveal that's not even like not right away, but not like all the way through is like, I feel like once you know what the monster is, it's like, Oh, this is way weirder than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. That's kind of crazy that it didn't catch. It didn't catch on as much as uh, squid games. Cause I've heard that it's comparable into how bonkers it is. Oh yeah. It's, it's batshit, but it's really good. <laughs> yeah. I want to watch that. And uh, speaking of TV shows, I don't know. Uh, Rich and I were talking about this a little bit before the show. I watched the first episode of um, the Cowboy, Cowboy Bebop. Bebop live action TV show that just dropped on Netflix. Yeah. And um, Josh and Bebop, neither of you have watched it yet, correct? No. Not yet. Not yet? I, I, I think we're both pretty positive on it, right? So far? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so far, I, I enjoyed it. I don't. The the way I guess I would word it so far, just first episode without getting into it's not really spoilers, but um, just so people can kind of go into it with their own informed opinions or their own opinions in general, is that it doesn't quite have that same charismatic, cool feel. I don't know how to explain it. I, there's there's bits of it, but it doesn't quite go all the way. I, right. I wish it was a little more colorful. Is like one of the major things I think. It could do some some tuning up with. It tra- but I think the it, tone is good. The tone is good. It tracks. It also tracks well that it's dark and moody. Just because I think that's kind of where a lot of TV shows are right now, very dark and moody, Ex- with the exception of a few, like Squid Games, or Squid Game. I would say is very vibrant and bright. But but it, it's funny you say that because I think it's only dark and moody, like aesthetically. That's like, what that's t- what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's, tonally that's it's I'm really goofy, which is what yeah, I wanted. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like. Aesthetically, it's very dark and kind of somber, at least the first episode. I guess it remains to be seen how it'll go from there. But yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it so far. The If you have seen the animated TV series or the animation or the anime, whatever you want to call it, uh, the first episode is fairly similar. There are some slight differences in terms of scenes and stuff. It's also a 50-minute episode as compared to a... 20 well it covers a few minutes? episodes it does like that whole asimov thing in one episode and yes. I, I think the changes you're talking about and i rewatched the the first the the anime uh probably a little less than a year ago just for the hell of it and 
they're trying to, and I understand why you would do this now redoing it as a live action show. They're trying to set up some of the bigger arcs earlier, which I think makes sense for the style of show they're doing, like introducing characters like Vicious and stuff early on and just kind of building out the world more. I think I, I understand those decisions. They make sense. Yeah, and it makes sense, too, with kind of how TV is filmed now, because you think about the old anime series. That was 26 episodes where uh, TV doesn't go that long now. It's 8, 10, 12 episodes usually. So on a Netflix cycle, sure. Well, I, I wouldn't say just Netflix, but yeah, I mean like HBO or Apple TV. Streaming. A lot of, yeah, just streaming in general. Yes, it's on the 8, 10, 12 cycle generally. So it makes sense that they would try and introduce some of that stuff earlier on on top of that with it being a 50-minute episode. So, Sure. Yeah. But so far, I've enjoyed it. So far, like first episode I watched. Early then- ponderings, yeah, but I'm, I'm definitely down to watch more of it. Like I like what they're doing. I. It is not going to be as good as the anime. I never like. I think I went in with the correct level of expectations to be like, this is going to be fun. And so far, I'm I'm happy with the performances. It's it's goofy as fuck. It's it's yeah. couldn't ask exactly. for much more. And I I don't know about you, Rich, but I feel like the anime was much more bingeable than this because after I finished that one episode, I was like, okay, I think I'm good for the night. I'll I'll watch another episode another day. I think, like, I would have been down to watch more, but also, like, they're fucking 50-minute episodes, and I got shit I gotta do. Like, it's easy to sit and watch, like, six episodes of the anime in one sitting, because they're, like, 18 to 22 minutes apiece. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose, yeah. That's, I mean, that's the equivalent of, like, two episodes of the the Netflix live action. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm excited to watch more of it. I'll try and maybe hammer out one or two more episodes this weekend. We could talk about it more, yeah. I, I'm interested to see if it keeps holding my attention yeah yeah i i've i've seen a few people talk fairly negatively about it online and i guess i'm confused just because those are all the people that didn't like speed racer um idiots uh the the, one with emile hirsch and matthew fox it's a great movie y'all are whatever happened to matthew fox by the way oh he was killed by goblins he was on top of the world for a minute speed racer happened no (laughs) um (laughs) But real, like that's uh, not that's not hypothetical, really. What happened to him, Bebop? Oh, do I don't. You know? Know. I mean, you're you're the movie guy. Uh, I mean, he's taken like little small roles here and there, but I haven't seen him in anything major since. Yeah, probably Speed Racer. So yeah, wow. there's your answer. That's just kind of crazy, though. He was like on the top of the world during Lost, and like all all the women in your life were kind of ooing and aahing over him. Not you specifically, but a lot of us. And then he just disappeared but then lost ended and the world turned on (laughs) but for some reason we kept giving jj abrams work yeah what the fuck was that about yeah no one knows who knows who knows but anyways uh yeah let's i I have no way to transition easily so i'm just gonna break into the (laughs) the topic of the show the fight Uh, scenes were really cool i was (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of fighting, no, just kidding. Um, in all seriousness, so this is going to be one of the this is going to be our last series topic of the year. Um, we have a few weeks to go. We're going to be doing game of the year shows in December, and we have our year in hindsight kind of look next week, which is going to be a fun episode, kind of looking at the year in gaming. So we figure we go out with a bang. This was kind of an odd, like I called an audible on this topic. We had a different topic originally planned and i kind of changed it at the last minute because 
a lot of gaming controversy has happened over the past few years, and I, I think a lot of that stuff is coming to light as we are being more interconnected as a species of people. And I think that these kind of controversies have probably always existed in these companies and in this industry, but we are now being more, we're, it's, we're more aware of it is what I'm trying to say. And that's in large because of how interconnected we are. And right now, one of the big topics that is dominating gaming news and gaming media is what's happened with Activision and Blizzard and Bobby Kotick. It's something that we had talked about earlier in the year. I'm sure at this point, if you like gaming at all, you've probably heard about this situation. But um, if you haven't, to very, very, very just sum it up as brief as I possibly can, um, Activision and Blizzard have come under fire for creating a culture that is very toxic for multiple groups of people, minorities and women, especially women. And there's been a lot of things like sexual harassment, power harassment, mental and emotional harassment. There, that, like, that's just the, the tip of the iceberg there. And this has been going on for years. And there are these countless reports. And Bobby Kotick, the CEO of this company, has been there since 1990. And these things have been allegated for years, and he's still there. But it's not only that. A fair portion of the shareholders are actually in support of him remaining in his position as CEO. And so that's... And you, have, you had the walkout that happened earlier this week. You have another group of shareholders of the same company who is also saying, get rid of him. And now PlayStation and... Or sorry, Sony and Microsoft are kind of considering their deals and whatnot with Blizzard and Activision and what they're going to do from here on out. And so, like, this is just dominating the gaming news right now. I thought it would be a shame if we didn't mention it towards the end of the year because it's still such a huge topic. But I wanted to frame it in a way that we're not only retreading ground, but we're looking at this topic kind of as a whole. Because, like I said, they're not the only company that's been guilty, as I alluded to in the intro. So the question I wanted to pose to ourselves is when a gaming company goes through a scandal like this, how do they recover in the public eye and the public perception? What can they do there to get back into the good graces of gamers and gaming? Um, so that's kind of where gamers. I wanted to start. I wanted to build it up a little bit to kind of give... Uh, you, the audience, uh, a window into why I wanted to do this topic and why the guys were on board with it. We think it's something that's important to discuss as we're rounding out this year. So, uh, Rich, I'm going to open it up to you first. Uh, we've talked about this a lot over we the did past a whole X amount of months, you know, both privately, privately and publicly. So, yeah. Um, so here's the thing, uh, like in terms of your, your question and all the shit going on here, I think the, the easiest answer is to how do you improve it is it is a thing that is based around time. And when we kind of did our deep dive on Blizzard a couple months ago, what, what feels like six years ago, um, we talked about this, which is you need to remove the people that are clearly problematic and obviously problematic. And you need to show that you are taking every possible step you can to improve company culture and weed out the the people that make the culture that horrible 
the problem is it's been going on for so long at Blizzard, and that's becoming more obvious as time goes on, that it's hard to root that out. And when I look at what's happening with Bobby Kotick now, I think it's obvious, to, hard to say obvious, but like outside looking in my perspective of, you know, despite employee walkouts and shareholders being like, get this guy out, why does the board still want him in? Uh, and the answer is because he knows where all the bodies are buried. Um, and once he's gone, yeah. like, and if he wants to open his mouth, I'm sure he knows tons of shit that as the current head of the company, he's not going to say, but you kick that guy out of his position of power. Who knows what the fuck could happen? Yeah. The, the, one of the things I'm kind of curious about that is because I've been reading a lot about that this week. Uh, I don't have a full comprehensive understanding of exactly what's happened there and what's happening with, uh, Bobby Kotick in general, but. I think a big part of that is in this specific situation is the shareholders. He's been there since 1990 and he basically came on to Activision when they were about to go under. Mm-hmm. They were they were literally about to go bankrupt. He came in he and he basically righted the ship in a way. He he as did. Far as he, was, he optically, yeah, like who knows how much of that was just you know, his, his steady hand at the helm. Right. But But optically, yeah. But in essence, from what we know, he essentially, like you said, righted the ship and saved the company. So you look at that and I'm not, I'm I'm not saying I agree or disagree with that. Just so you guys know, I'm saying that's what we know. In the heads of the shareholders. Yeah. That's the way a lot of them feel. So you consider that. And then you think about the shareholders. Why would they want to get that guy out who has been generating this money? Um, out of there. I think what was it that I can't remember if it was I. I read a number is either he pulled this amount of money or Blizzard and Activision pulled it like hundred and fifty five million dollars last year. Mm-hmm. A lot of money, and I'm not saying that was only him. Obviously, you have all the people under him that are working there and whatnot. But it's it's kind of insane to me that. He still has his job. You know? Oh, it's it's baffling. But you know, I, by the way, I was just doing some research really quick here uh, as the gaming historian. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people like to say that Bobby Kotick, you know, righted the ship in the '90s, but that's impossible because Activision put out Pitfall Two: The Lost Caverns in 1984. Oh, shit. so I think they were on the right path. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I mean, I I don't disagree with you at all that. About pitfall too. The, right, the the people who have kind of created this culture out, but also when you consider specifically like Bobby Kotick's case, where he's considered the guy who saved the company. Yeah, I think I mean, that's hard to convince shareholders at that point. Sure, but that's also like such a short sighted view. Like one man didn't. You're talking going into the '90s, the gaming industry is the a gaming industry game. turned around at that point. Yeah, he just happened to be there at the time. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Bebop, how do you feel? There's an awful lot of Al Gore inventing the internet sort of energy going on with the, you know. Well, that's true, Josh. Yeah, Al Gore did invent the internet. (laughs) Where have you been? Thank you. Finally, someone with some sense on this show. (laughs) Um, so I, uh, in regards to your question, I think I have a question in return. I think the 
four of us, right? Uh, or or the the people who are you know more, I guess, um, we consume video games and video game media uh, like a lot more than your normal person would. I think, like, I mean, when I worked at GameStop, people, I the people who were buying Call of Duty, I probably. 99 out of 100 of them would not know who Bobby Kotick is. Uh, and or what Samba de Amigo is. Yeah, to, to that point, I don't even know if they would know who, like, Glenn Schofield or um, what's his name, who's over at uh, Respawn, uh, Vince Zampella. I, I don't know that they would know who those people are. They just play Call of Duty. So, yeah, they don't know who's making their games. They just yeah. know what games they like. I, I think that's fair to say. And, yeah, and, and so I guess I kind of don't know what you would do because I think that in the in the interim, or maybe that's the the wrong word to use, but uh, in, in like um, like the the general population, I kind of think doesn't pay attention to this stuff or they kind of don't care. So mm -hmm. who, like you're trying to build, rebuild a, uh, outward facing thing for people who don't really like engage with that. Does that make sense? It does. And yeah. I would say the one thing that I, I would kind of place in front of you as an example is cyberpunk 2077 was one of the scandals that nobody could ignore. You buy that game. For most it was a scandal. People. It was just a bad game. <laughs> I know you're being facetious, so I'm not going to engage. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, you. most people who bought that game, it was borderline unplayable for most people. Or it was unacceptable by most people's standards. And I'm not going to agree or disagree with those standards because, you know, it's different for each person. But wh where I, I get your point, you know, in the in the situation of like Bobby Kotick or um, cancel culture or not cancel culture. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Crunch culture with naughty dog and all the other hosts of yeah. companies who do that. Or take, for example, the head of uh, gearbox. Right. Oh, yeah, that, the magician, the magician, Randy, the Pitchford. magician, <laughs> right. The sex I mean, magician, Randy. Yeah, I, I agree with your point, Bebop, <laughs> but in the other situations, something like a, a No Man's Sky when it first released or a Cyberpunk 2077. I think you don't have to necessarily be as integrated or involved in that hobby to understand the scan like what those those are and how they classify and why they classify as a scandal. And Shay, if I I could just add in there, I also think, and this is more talking about the question as a whole and more speaking on this situation, I think Activision Blizzard in this is a unique situation. Because Blizzard is one of those studios that people that play Blizzard games are tuned into the industry for the, more so than a lot of other studios, I think. Like yeah. Blizzard diehards are people that have been playing Diablo and WoW for years and are ingrained in that culture. I think, yeah, that's a big part of uh -huh. it. I, I, think, I think that's kind of why CD Projekt Red had such a big target on their back last year, too, is because that game was... Cyberpunk 2077 was so highly anticipated not only because of the advertisement they were doing and the promises they were making but on top of that Witcher 3 was objectively a revolutionary game for a lot of people so mm -hmm. so can I can I 
ask something real quick about say it, Josh. The, about cyberpunk in in particular. Uh, I I have brought this up on on my show, uh, and it's a point that's not even mine, but I actually think that it's very interesting and a, a good conversation point. And it's that we we I think we can all kind of agree Witcher Two is a good game. Witcher Two is actually a really great game. I very much like Witcher Two. It's an underrated game for sure. I don't think that the general populace picked up on Witcher Two the same way that they did Witcher Three, right? Yeah. So sure. for for the most part, CD Projekt Red had put out one game. Mm-hmm. Why did we put our faith in them that they were going to deliver like a game changing? Like this is going to be the way you know that RPGs are made from now on, like genre defining experience. Well, well I, I mean. mean to- well, to be fair, think about Halo when Bungie first dropped the original Halo, which is kind of pertinent to what we're talking about now. That game was so revolutionary for console gaming at the time. I Obviously, like Marathon. You had, what? I, I like Marathon. Okay. I mean, you had, you had Counter-Strike at that time, obviously, which was another revolutionary game in GoldenEye 64, but Halo was just the next evolution of that, and that game had so much buzz about it, and that was the what the first game Bungie ever did that to my knowledge no they've been making games for decades for a long time okay well it was the first it was the first game that really put them on the map i would say i would say marathon was that um uh halo was a big deal because xbox acquired Bungie. halo was supposed to be an it was kind of their yeah their their flagship thing for their you know this is our new console we we need something for anyone yeah. to have any reason to get it over a PS2. And so they scooped up Bungie, who was a big deal in the PC space, particularly working with Apple. Yeah. Yeah. Back back in the day when Apple still did gaming. Because... You've been out-nerded. Yeah. Because <laughs> shareware was such a big thing that Apple kind of did more games than PC for a long time there. And, uh, yeah. And that shift from uh, right around that era was kind of when you know, Mac gaming just about disappeared for a decade and a half. Yeah, I would say Marathon was like the last true blue big thing that was a a Mac game. Yeah. They did a little bit during that sort of eMac generation there as everything kind of moved over there, but they were mostly just ports of console games at that point. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of... It's really kind of sad um seeing that die out the way it did but now you have apple arcade yeah yeah now i do (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyways josh how do you feel about the topic um honestly kind of like we we mentioned earlier i think had activision not picked up blizzard um the rest of their stuff is the sort of gaming that no one would have paid attention to it. This would have been a non-issue from a bottom line perspective, just because Blizzard fans are pretty in the know as far as who's making their stuff. Um, and I think they could have gotten away with a lot more had this not, you know, had the merger not happened. Granted, a lot of this is coming from the Blizzard end, coming from, 
you know, around the time of that merger um, is kind of when a lot of this seems like it really started in force. Um, so as far as where this culture was coming from beforehand, I, I, I think we're still going to possibly that will be found out during some of the, you know, continuing investigations many, going on many here. hearings to come. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it it really does seem like around that time they started working together. This just really metastasized into something horribly ugly. Um, yeah, I would say I would say to your point though that because Activision, I think, is objectively a bigger company, not necessarily a more liked company. That maybe that a similar culture existed already in Blizzard, but we it was not as much brought to the forefront until they were bought by Activision as well. Like, there's no way we can know that, unfortunately. Well, yeah, right yeah, now. so that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't really want to speculate on it. It's just that, just given the timeline of the stuff we do know about, it does seem like it was really horrible kind of around the time before of before their acquisition. Yeah, merger. So it's, yeah, we just don't know before that as far as, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, specifically in that instance. So, yes. I mean, I, th- I think we've, we've established kind of like there are problems with the industry and they're obviously the most recent one is a very, very nasty, egregious problem. You know, Rich, Rich, you've, you've posed a, a, a possible solution. Are, are there any other solutions here? I mean, like, it seems like such a cut and dry issue, but for ex- I want to give you guys an example. So I was researching I shouldn't say researching. I'm sorry. I was looking up articles for the Cyberpunk 2077 um, <clears throat> debacle that kind of happened last year. It was less mm-hmm. than a year ago at this point. I was trying to find articles. It feels like four about... or five years ago. Kind of does, yeah. It's weird how that works. But mm-hmm. I sh- I'm sitting there pouring through Google trying to find articles, and it took me a good 10 minutes to find some of those old articles from not even a year ago. Because CD Projekt Red has managed to just release so much press and other things to kind of bury that incident. And of course, it's not going to go away because most of us who bought that game or have a decent memory, who don't have the memory of a gerbil, remember what happened less than a year ago. But they're already trying to bury what has happened. And it took me Mm -hmm. a bit of searching. And... As we'll get into some of the comments later, I mean, I think that's part of, un- unfortunately, one way that companies look to get past that is just bury what happened. Yeah, I think you're right, but I don't necessarily think that's going to work this time. This has gone to mainstream media, like with state yes. and federal lawsuits. And Yo, I, I don't want to no specifically talk about just this incident. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. It's just it's the one that comes to mind, obviously. But like, I think better point to your question to be like, what is the other solution? And like, I, I don't think there is one because I think the only way anyone can really feel comfortable. Uh, okay, I shouldn't say there is no other way. The right way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the correct way is transparency and like actively making that change, and that's going to take forever. But it's the only way yeah. to make a change that is going to make people comfortable in, in a good in a positive way yeah yeah i mean we kind of we, we talked when 
when Blizzard or Activision Blizzard made their first announcement responding to all this that okay we're gonna have a zero tolerance policy for anyone doing this at this point and it's we're like you were and, tolerating and we're have it a whole lot more yeah but but a lot of the stuff they were saying they were doing going forward was the right stuff it's just it was we said at Are the time this is it? obviously a distraction from the fact that obviously the CEO knew about all of this. There's there's just no way, given the scale of it, he didn't know. Is kind of was yeah. was our, our our stance on it last time, and turns out a couple months later, oh hey, he fucking knew, which is what yeah, made that shot. initial response so hollow. Like it's, a lot of what they said there of- is promising yeah. changes. It's just that. You kind of need to get rid of the source of the problem as I, well. And it's the people at the top. It's yeah. been a bunch of hand-waving, to be honest with you, and I know you guys know this. It's changing a, of a character on Overwatch. It's Bobby Kotick saying he's going to take a decrease in his salary. It's like, who gives a fuck about that? No one like, gives a right shit about he took that. A nice bonus. We're talking about the, like, the transparency that they said they were going to do with having, you know, so, you know... I don't, I don't like um, you know, just their HR policies are going to be much more transparent, and that they were going to not stand for any of this at that point going on. Like that, that but those were the changes they needed gestures. to make, not not the empty gestures. It's just that those were empty gestures. Seeing is how you know they were still doing that to try to protect Bobby Kotick, yeah. just hoping yeah. it goes away. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think about kind of, when I think about this topic, it's, it kind of depresses me and I shouldn't say depresses. <laughs> it makes me sad. Um, because is it the big sad? It's the big sad. Yeah. That's, it makes me the big sad because I think about what are some other scandals that we just don't know about because they were buried, you know, not necessarily where just nobody ever heard about them, but what if they were out in the news and then six months later they were just buried and we were too young to think about some of this stuff oh. and we just don't know. I, I mean, a lot. It's, it's certainly, yeah. And plenty, that's, plenty, uh, plenty. And that's, in some ways, I'm really thankful for all of the issues that social media can have and the interconnectedness can have. This is one of those situations where I'm, entirely and completely satisfied with where we are as a society in terms of being of the interconnectedness and the transparency that our society really has i of course there are going to be some negatives that come with that but the positives are situations like this where it's not easy to bury that stuff anymore because we have journalists who are keeping tabs of that stuff and are able to save those articles that are released and are able to be like hey you know you're like the company's like, oh, we got this fresh new game. Like, oh, you remember that other game two years ago where you completely fucked over consumers? Yeah. Or you remember that thing you did two years ago? We're living in a society that it's it's less easy to bury some of that stuff, I feel. Well, yes, except that there are so many people who want to help you, um, sadly, which is one of the reasons that this last year at E3, I specifically made Chirons for, you know, companies who had done shady shit and before like that if was we're going to add ubisoft stream yeah if we're going to advertise for you we're also going to explain you know how you covered up sexual and physical abuse at your company for the last several decades like 
people should know both. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's you not like... If you want to play Assassin's Creed, you should know the baggage that comes with yeah. it. <laughs> right, it's not yeah. like... I, I don't think every I think there's some people on the internet that do this that say, oh, you should just never play a game from that company again. And honestly, I've been one of those people that said, I will not play a Bl- Blizzard or Activision game again until I this see current situation change. is resolved. That doesn't mean yeah. I'll never, ever play it again, but until this current situation is resolved, I won't spend any yeah. money. I'm not urging others to do the same because everybody has yeah. their own. Yeah, no, place. but I'm, I'm with you there. I think we yeah. both said that on a personal level, I'm not comfortable spending money on Activision Blizzard products until I see some real change at that company. Yeah, right. and and from an from an, an actual results standpoint, I think we have less to do with that than Sony and Microsoft saying, "Yeah, this shit's got to change." I think is a whole lot yes. bigger weight to be throwing around than us saying we're not gonna buy things change isn't that insane guys like i've never in my life heard multiple gaming companies or game distributing companies whatever the fuck you want to call them come out and say console makers we're considering not ever doing business with these people until changes are made i've never heard that before yeah that's 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 pretty unheard of that's that's it yeah it's so much bigger than um like it would be in another industry too, because there's only so many platforms in gaming mm-hmm. and losing any, any one of them is such a huge loss of revenue for a company like Activision Blizzard. Oh right. yeah. So Bebop, can you even think, the threat of one of them? Can you think of a time big. that it seemed like this cut and dry to you or this, I don't know. The stakes have ever been this high. I mean, no, but also yes, like I, I, I mean, in in terms of like the the actual like repercussions of the actions being handled, no, I don't think so. But like in terms of like the severity of of the stuff that's going on and what should be done, a hundred percent. Yeah, uh, I I really do think that the the whole stuff with Ubisoft has quietly gotten swept under oh, the rug. Yeah, and I think no. that like Evjimo should probably bullshit. be under a prison somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's it's Ubisoft actually riot. fucking ridiculous. Yeah, riots another one. Like I I don't know why uh like I I swear to god I think Eve Skillman is just like breathing a sigh of relief right now like thank god for Bobby Kotick. Like <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no. It, you have to be, right? It's like, "Oh my god, the pressure is off." Like but at the same mm-hmm. time, I I hope there's that thing in the back of their head they're like, "Okay, but we need to slowly behind the scenes make actual changes." Because once they're done with him, <laughs> yeah, it's like who knows where they're gonna go next. No, you have a you make a really good point, Bebop. To me, like I I don't know if this is gonna be lost on all three of you. It probably will. But um, one of the big things in the NBA this year has been that Kyrie Irving is refusing to play because he doesn't want to get vaccinated, and that was such big news at the beginning of the NBA season. And right now we have another play. There's another player in the on the 76ers, uh, Ben Simmons who didn't contact his team all summer, screened and ignored calls, asking to be traded, and then he's been tanking his value. And there, like the story just continues to take off from there. He showed up to practice, but he refused to do drills, so they kicked him out and they fined him. And now he's claiming mental health issues. And this has just been an ongoing saga this whole mm-hmm. season to where the Kyrie Irving stuff is kind of pretty much forgotten at this point because Ben Simmons' debacle is... De- 
just completely cannibalized it. Well, yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the situation, not only in this specific instance, but it happens a lot in the gaming industry. And I think just oh, yeah. in news in general, you have a, a new story that kind of dominates and the old story is just like, eh, fuck mm-hmm. it. We, we, small, we spend po- small potatoes. Yeah. Mental headspace. Everybody knows the rainforest that. is still on fire. Why, why would we talk about it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, one of the things for me to kind of drive us back to the main We're all dying. Question, <laughs> to drive us back to the main que- topic in the question, the only major thing that I can think of in recent memory, and I know we bring this up a lot, is Hello Games with No Man's Sky, where the big debacle there was that they, they promised and they made advertisements and... um. <laughs> I know that's a little controversial, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm referencing old memories. But mm-hmm. um, that that game when it was released was not what it was promised to be, and it kind of yeah. went through something a, a similar phase of what Cyberpunk 2077 went through at the beginning, where it wasn't necessarily a broken game; it just wasn't just a bad what, one. It it wasn't what it was promised to be. And, you know, that company has spent five years, Sean Murray has spent years and time making that game into what it was supposed to be originally. And I yeah. think going beyond that at this point. And to me, I think he's far beyond it for a long time now, which is like, I, I applaud that the, for someone who likes to make fun of that situation. I applaud what that game has done. Yeah. Right, exactly. And to me, that is like, that is the golden standard for when you fuck up how you write the ship. Like, from from our understanding, outside looking in, they've been transparent from here on out. Like, Sean Murray's like, hey, yeah, we fucked up. You know what? Let's just own it. We're going to spend the next few years making this right. And he makes, he, makes, he, he makes tweets and he makes videos and stuff like that showing the progress that they've made, showing what they're working on, what the time frame is. Very transparent. And honestly, it's in some ways felt like the cycle of that game from the time it released and all the stuff they've done since not so much the beginning, but the middle to where it's at now, it's kind of felt like a Kickstarter in some ways when you back a game because Sean Murray is just like an early access thing. Well, yeah, he's that transparent with all the changes and all the updates and all the additional information or the additional content they're going to be releasing. It very much feels like when you back a Kickstarter and that's incredible to me. Now is he at a, big name studio no so is that a one-to-one example of how a company can recover i don't think so unfortunately i mean i think so because just on a larger the, scale, the solution I mean, is to fix the actual problem i as I, long as it takes and it took instead a of just time. distract from it like that i mean like broad strokes fixing the problem is how you fix the problem fixing and, the problem is the solution yeah like it's <laughs> yeah a lot of other companies try to do anything in the world except that. Um, I and I agree with you. The broad stroke thing is right. I I also think that there's that additional entity of the shareholders when it comes to a big company like that. That yeah. I don't know how how much or how little that poses a roadblock. Unfortunately, I don't know enough to definitively say that is definitely a bigger problem and that's why these things don't get fixed i don't know and i well that could also be uh, uh hello games did not was not without its hurdles they were published by sony like that's also a good point too there there were a lot of hoops to jump through there and the funny thing is 
coming out the end of that, like at the time, like people wanted to crucify Sean Murray. If tomorrow Sean Murray was like, we're launching a Kickstarter for this new game, I'd back whatever Sean Murray is doing in a heartbeat because mm. that dude, I guarantee you, has learned so much about game development from that horrible studio, that horrible circumstance and how to be completely transparent and how to make something awesome and communicate with your audience in a way that's going to make them have faith in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Bebop, let me know how you feel about this because I'm kind of curious. That makes me curious about why big companies aren't transparent. It kind of makes me concerned about how much pull the shareholders have in these AAA companies and what they make. Obviously, we kind of know yeah. I mean, that if you look at record labels and music, I think there's a parallel there. But like, it kind of concerns me. I, how do you feel about that? Uh, I, I mean, I have always felt like the video game industry does things very, very, very weird. Uh, like I have told you before, I come from a movie background, so it's really strange to me when I see, oh, Paramount announces, you know, Friday the 13th for 2023 or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. So we know that that's coming, you know, whatever. And it might get delayed. It might not, whatever. But video games have always had this weirdly, like, secretive nature about, like, we don't know what they're working on and blah, blah. And and I kind of feel like transparency is is the number one key for everything. Because transparency, uh, it's not a synonym for honesty, but I mean, it's when you're actively hiding things, it kind of feels like, uh, you know, it kind of feels like you're being dishonest. It's, it's kind of, it's funny you mentioned that actually, because I was watching an interview with Paul Rudd on, um, what's his name? Not, not, not either of the Jimmy's Seth, Seth Myers, Seth Myers. I was watching an interview with him on there and they were talking about how funny it is that every time Paul Rudd goes on his show, oh God, yeah. Seth asks him questions that he knows Paul Rudd can't answer because Paul Rudd is bound by secrecy by Disney or Marvel for a lot of the movies that he's been going on talk shows for. And it's just kind of going through this whole... It was very meta in them talking about that. And Paul Rudd's like, I really don't understand... And both of them were like, I really don't understand the level of secrecy that Marvel has behind their movies. Like they hid the name Endgame, Avengers Endgame from the audience until they release that. And they were like, what? Like, why is the name such a big deal? Because people are going to, if they're fans of Marvel, they're going to buy it no matter what. It could, it'd be like, it could be Avengers and the poopy doo-doo caca guys. And people are going to invest in that because it's Marvel, right? People don't give a shit. And I give so to me, shits. like, I guess to your to your point is that if it's a if it's a triple A company, yeah, why is there the secrecy? Because just be like, hey, we're working on this game right now. These are the issues we're currently trying to hammer out. Yeah. Honestly, if anything, granted, yes, maybe maybe some of the people like you were saying, ninety nine out of a hundred people don't really care. They just want to buy Call of Duty. That's fine. But by releasing some of that information, being that transparent. Who knows who you'd be in an inspiring, you know, at that point. 
yeah, I, I don't, again, I don't feel like any of these companies have ever been transparent about anything. So it's just, it's not a mindset they're even in. Um, I mean, you saw a lot of this in the early 21st century with companies announcing games super early, stuff getting canceled or changed drastically, and people just getting mad. Um, and yeah, so I that's think one change I don't want made is announcing shit too early because I, I think development cycles differ so much from film that it's like Josh kind of driving out here. You can sometimes a game will be worked on for like two years and then just get scrapped. Yeah. And I, I'm fine with knowing about it. Just like, Hey, this is what we're working on. It might not ever go anywhere, but I, I, again, I think big companies are much more interested in only ever spending money on hype on, on, on marketing. That's going to have a tangible, um, return on investment. Um, and I think there are people who that sort of openness would make them more interested, but I don't think oh, not everybody. And so I think they're just not interested in doing that. Um, especially after stuff kind of like, I mean, a lot of the big ones early on, like Starcraft ghosts and the final fantasy versus 13 stuff. There's uh, like, it's just, there were a string of them. There were a string of big games that got announced and then disappeared. Scalebound um, was a, a, a recent example of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, I knew so many people that were so excited for that game and to hear that it was completely scrapped. And that's kind of like, that's another kind of scandal that kind of got swept under the rug. During the Xbox One era, Microsoft was buying all these studios and then just burying them or just getting rid of them. They love shuttering a studio. Mm-hmm. And and we lost a lot of good games or potential games or potential future games when they did a lot of that stuff. And for as much praise as Microsoft is receiving right now, and as well they should be because the Xbox Game Pass is a very awesome thing for both, I'm sure, investors and people, that they have to be held also accountable for things like that for people mm-hmm. who care. And I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, now you're, just, you're, you're going looking for, for a fire kind of thing. But I don't know. Like, I think about a lot of games and a lot of game companies that were shut down during that era and a lot of ones that people were excited about. And I think that in itself yeah. could kind of be a scandal, you know? But, um, I, yeah, I, I guess what, what, to kind of tie this topic up, because I think we could sit here honestly and talk about all these scandals and all that's wrong. And I don't want it to just be about what's wrong. Cause I think it's easy to kind of get bogged down by what companies are doing and fucking Let's how talk about what's right. Is. Then that should only take like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got a second. We, we, we've, we've come up with a few solutions when, when a scandal happens, get rid of whoever or whatever is causing it, you know, in, in the case Blizzard, of, you can have this tip for free. Yeah, yeah. In the case of Blizzard and Activision, I don't think Bobby Kotick is the only one. I would imagine some of the shareholders are probably a part of that too. Get get rid of the main problem. Yeah, a few of them are personal friends, so there's yeah. I'm sure that's a part of it too. And yeah, I it'll be interesting to see how that investigation shakes out. But I mean, with with what you definitively know, Bobby Kotick is a problem. Get rid of him. When Mm -hmm. you look at something like Naughty Dog. And you see that there's crunch culture. Fix it. 
and I don't know the the way to per se quote unquote tell a company to fix that other than saying like hey treat your employees better or we won't buy your game because I'm one person you know um you look at things like um what's the other one I brought up oh Cyberpunk 2077 I think that situation was handled pretty well that Sony Sony and Microsoft were doling out refunds and they're like you know like this is a big problem the shitty thing about that is actually with the Cyberpunk 2077 thing is CD Projekt Red still made millions of dollars last year. I think they pulled 50 or 60 million dollars last year despite all those refunds and that debacle. So, did it really hurt them in the long run? No. <laughs> Not Bad optics, all. baby. Yeah, but yeah. I, I yeah, we've posed like getting rid of the the person or the group of people who are kind of in charge of creating a culture. Again, I don't know how Randy Pitchford still has a job either, but but <laughs> um that's a topic for another day, I guess. That's a big thing. Transparency. He made HR disappear. Having a level of transparency and honesty is a big thing as well. What other solutions can you guys think of? What can it be in the form of giving away additional content for free like Sean Murray from uh Hello Games and No Man's Sky? What 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 other solutions do you guys see there being? Um I don't. I see. Well, we've discussed a few things like burying it, which is not the right way to do it, but sometimes works for companies. Um, and then just pure transparency and writing the ship. Like the Sean Murray thing is very specific to that situation because I don't feel it was so much like I'm giving away a ton of shit for free to make right. It's just like I am making the game I promised I would make. And that's just kind of going above and beyond to deliver the thing you promised, even if you're delivering it way later. I, um, I agree. But I think I, that's admirable. I, I think he also went beyond what he originally promised. Oh, well. eventually, yes, he did. Eventually, yes, he did. And that, to me, is like not even related. That's just a studio showing amazing support for their game. Yeah. But I, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that definitely went, went so much further than... Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, with something more serious, like a a culture of sexual and sexual harassment, power harassment and stuff like that. That's that is like pretty clear cut and dry, but in something in a in instance like with crunch culture, I think that one's a little bit less tangible, you know what I mean? Like how how do they I mean for us as like to make it right for us as people to feel like okay, I I feel comfortable we playing these games again. Like, we weren't wronged in any of these situations. There's nothing to make right to us. And if you start putting out, oh, hey, all our games are on sale or something. It's like, now you're wrong. That's not. (laughs) Yeah. That's not the solution. I just wanted you to treat your employees like people. Yeah. That's. mm. I, yeah, I, I get your point, Josh, but I also see it as a way of. Yeah, from, from like, could, just like a I, PR perspective, like we need to fix our image. Yes, but I also think about it too is like anybody who's interested in gaming, like the guy who's been involved in the industry heavily for 30 plus years or the the kid who's 12 years old that got his first gaming system for Christmas and is starting to get into the hobby could be very turned off by the hobby as a whole with all of these these scandals and stuff. And that's the risk you also run too, is 
if you want to look at it from a financial standpoint, losing new customers or losing old customers. Um, if you want to look at it from a more, I don't know, philosophical or societal or optimistic way, you're losing people who are interested in the hobby, right? You're, you are potentially pushing away bright new minds who could bring something fresh and new to your industry. You're losing people who could talk about these games and relate them to other people, which would in turn get more people interested in the hobby or get you more money. You're losing, losing personalities who could be talking about these games on the various places like talk shows or YouTube or podcasts. Um, I think that's kind of an inevitable and unfortunate side effect of when these scandals happen too, is you're making people who are interested in the hobby lose interest in that. So and, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, so I was going to ask in, in regards to, cause you, you brought up the, the no man's sky and the cyberpunk thing. Um, and we could maybe segue this a little bit into the, like how to create like a nice culture to work in. Um, because I, I kind of did want to touch upon what Ida's Montreal is doing, uh, where they're going to a four day work week for their employees, which is so cool. That's uh, so cool that yeah. they're doing that. But, um, one thing that I wanted to potentially bring up, and I, I think that this would affect not only the industry, but potentially us as consumers and how we, you know, consume video games uh, is I really like the approach that Bethesda has done in the last probably like, uh, I'd say probably like five years or so where they will not really show a whole lot of what they're working on. We obviously as, as enthusiasts of video games, we know that video game development takes, you know, years, like years and years and years. And Bethesda has done a really great job, I think, of not showing their games off until they have something to show. And I think that that could potentially alleviate stuff like Cyberpunk or like No Man's Sky. Don't show me something for like, like don't show me Watch Dogs in 20, you know, whatever it was, at E3, and then give me the the shit healed game that came out in 2013. Like, don't do that. Show I, me what your finished product is. I agree in the case of No Man's Sky wholeheartedly. I agree with the Cyberpunk that was Cyberpunk up to a point because I'm sure you remember this up until its release, they were having these videos. It was like episode one where they detail this one mission that you do and you could watch them and they go through it and the game looks beautiful and gorgeous and it looks engaging. And that was weeks before we got the game. And the, the, you know, they've come out and said, well, we didn't show it, the PS4 and Xbox one version and we didn't show the console version. We showed the optimized PC version, you know, yeah, I mean that's a fair counterpoint. But I, I was playing I, the optimized PC version. It didn't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I, I'm, I'm not saying I completely disagree with you, Bebop. I, I don't want you to feel that way because I, I, there's a lot of merit in what you're saying, and I agree with that. I, I actually like that they haven't tried showing anything from the future Elder Scrolls Six title. I'm super excited for that, whatever that's going to be. I'm glad they're, all, they're also like we don't have anything substantial to show for quite some time. 
Just so you know, it's on the horizon and we're working on it. I'm okay with that. I know a lot of other fans aren't, but I am. Because, yeah, if you start showing stuff early on, then you run the potential of it being a No Man's Sky, Cyberpunk 2077-like incident, I think. Right now, Elder Scrolls Six is a drawing on a cocktail napkin. That is 100% accurate. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Whenever they release it is whenever they release it. I'm, I'm in not necessarily any rush for them to get that new game out because, as we've talked about, and this is just in this particular instance with those games, that they, they really need to modernize their formula for whatever they're doing for the... But Hail, adventurer. <laughs> well, let's get into some listener comments. Um, every Thursday at the Sword Shop Instagram, you can comment on the topic of the week that I post, and you can leave us beautiful ideas, concepts, topics that we haven't really thought about, and we will discuss them on the show. It's a great way to get you guys involved, and it's a great way for us to kind of think about the topic in a different way, because sometimes we don't hit the topic in a certain way and causes us to think about it differently. So anyways, uh, JT Ruiz said the change should start at the top, bring in new leadership that has a positive track record, both in business and in social equality. The task will be tremendous, but change always starts at the top. And um, yeah, I had commented that I agree with him. I don't know if there's any way you can ever truly vet somebody in terms of their so social and their moral values. I'm sure that there there are initial screens you can do, but also people do change in values over time. And so that's that's also hard to I, I, I don't think it's super easy to screen that unless people are very vocal about those values and whatnot as well. But you can also see some how some of those values reflect in how they run the business and how the games turn out as well. But I, I just Yeah. I think that's a hard thing to quote unquote vet. It's something that you really you gotta be on top of. But I, I agree with with um JT Ru JT Ruiz. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I mean we kinda feel like we touched on that a bit. Like this this nothing's going to get better while he's still in charge at this point. Like in this particular situation. Um and 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 in a lot of them, um, again, like as far as what, like, what can we realistically expect out of anyone replacing them? Um, sadly, not a lot, given how most of these companies are run. But I think that's kind of why, or like earlier, when we were talking about how important the transparency is to kind of make sure it's not just their word that we're having to take on this. Um, yeah. We got to know more than their word is their bond. Mm-hmm. You know, this ain't a word fucking is bond. Fast and Furious movie. It's about family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got one more in there. No, Bebop, how do, you, how do you think you can vet something like social values with a potential CEO? I mean, I don't think that you can. I, the number one job of the CEO above all else is their fiduciary obligation to the shareholders. 
their yeah. job is to maximize profit. So I don't know that you, I mean, you can, but it's a matter of what the yeah. shareholders are willing to do, you know, in regards to societal uh, implications versus what will happen to their wallets. Yeah. Le- legally, they have to do, the CEO is going to have to do what they say to do, what, what the shareholders say on that, which yeah. is, again, nine times out of ten, make me money. Like, there are there are situations where, and not a lot of them, but where it's, you know, a publicly traded company, but but for all intents and purposes, it's been sold off to employees and to people who actually care about the company specifically. And it's not run that ruthlessly, but those are absolutely exceptions to the rule. It's run um, by borderline supervillains. Yeah. Um, before we move on to the next comment, uh, Bebop, I have a personal request. Can you repeat that F word that you said earlier? Because I love the sound. I, I, I know the word. I just, I love the sound of that word. That word fiduciary? Then? Yeah. Can you say it like five times? Just, that's like, I don't know about all that. I, I, fiduciary. I, I, this, this is a, this is a weird thing I'm going to reveal. When the way certain words roll off the tongue and out of the mouth kind of give me a little, like not a, a full-on boner, but like it, it, like it moves a little bit. You got Not a word chub. because of the person who's saying it, but because the way the word rolls out of the mouth. So when you said, "What's that word?" Thank you. I, I felt a little just like a movement, and it wasn't because of you, Bebop, but because of the word and the way it rolled out. She was like, "I think it moved." <laughs> it did. Fiduciary. Oh God, I'm getting tingles. I love that word. Clavicle is another one of those words for me. Like if somebody says clavicle, I'm like, ooh, I That's love the way. That's a terrible choice. That's... Yeah. You know what's a good one? Emancipate. Nah, that does nothing for me. <laughs> but clavicle and fiduciary? Ugh. Like it's, I think it's similar because they have. Josh, you got to cut this he's out, got, right? He's got a real American psycho thing going on here. The thing, Gosh, like, those, those those look at that race font. They start soft and they go harsh, and they have this power about them, like clavicle, fiduciary. Like it's that second syllable that has. Oh my that God, power. it's even got a D syllable. <laughs> he loves that D. Oh, I love the V. In clavicle. Lord. Yeah, you guys tried to get me on that one. I had an out. Suck it. Um, Kilted gamer said people will still buy their games. So they'll just let it die down over a couple of years and that'll be that. And that's kind of what I was Mm -hmm. referencing earlier is I had that exact incident with Cyberpunk 2077 when I was trying to look up articles for that. Yep. I mean, I think we will see, we are seeing them kind of get a little bit of shit right now. (laughs) Get the fuck out of (laughs) here. That fucking American psycho picture. Um, Right? there's a hundred percent chance he has the exact same sort of a thing to those exact two words right yep <laughs> i think so yeah i'd say so whatever you guys are just jealous <laughs> listen you guys are not just jealous trying to, to you guys all we're saying is you're a serial killer clearly but um they, they've been getting a little bit of shit recently because they announced that they're delaying all of the free content that they were supposed to be dropping until next year after promising it was going to be out this year um 
They, that, now, they've, they've made is, a lot of fixes. Yeah. They've made a lot of fixes to their bugs, and they released some free outfits as a kind of thank you for being patient. We will be getting that additional content out. So they are getting yeah. a little bit of shit for that. But it's kind of like what Rich was saying earlier and Bebop was saying earlier, too, is that I'm sure they're very thankful that Bobby Kotick is so under fire right now because they're like, oh, we can just kind of swim underneath this and we'll We're be just okay. Gonna coast. Yeah. Just um, ride the wave, baby. But yeah, yeah, no, like they keep on releasing these, you know. The fixes are very welcome. Like the game runs a whole lot better than it ever did. But also every time the new patch notes comes out, it's written in such a way that it's like, oh no, we fixed everything. Everything runs wonderfully now. Like it um It's ready. Like every time I see anything new about that game for the last couple of months, it's like, look how great this is. And then, like, two days later, everyone's like, yeah, no, this still happens. Um, like, your cars yeah. still still fly if you park in the wrong spot. Like, uh, you know. Yes, that's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly plays along to what Kilty Gamer is trying to say. It's like, they're trying to put yeah. out this image of, like, oh, we're just going to bury it and mm-hmm. talk positively enough about it. And everything's look, fine here. I had my fun with Cyberpunk 2077. I don't think it was objectively. But all bugs and all the 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 debatable stuff aside, I don't think it was as bad of a game as I don't know, I shouldn't say. I like let me reword that. I liked it more than Rich and Josh liked it. <laughs> I think that's the I'd nicer. I loved end. it if it came out in two thousand nine. I'm okay with the fact that it's kind of a throwback. I mean, we we've been talking about nostalgia all year long. It's a fun game. I had my fun with it. I, I can say I had my fun with it while also looking at the practices um that around the game being released and say yeah that's pretty bad you know those two things don't have to not exist they can coexist it can be a fun game it can also be a very buggy fucked up mess that was released in a horrible horrible way and i can still acknowledge that the company is trying to bury it instead of being transparent a game can be fun and bad i've played a lot of mobas over the years Mm mm-hmm I mean, we play Pokemon Unite. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> but um, let's move on to the next comment. So uh, Tawny S said, actually take steps to improve the situation. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We yeah. touched upon that. Matt DBG said, step one, stay quiet. Step two, release Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2. Step three, success. Which is funny, because they kind of did the opposite here. They delayed everything, hoping that everyone would forget before those came out, and it wouldn't actually hurt the sales. Yeah. Like, yep. I, I'm sure things got delayed because of the pandemic. But that both of those got delayed by several years seems more like a, we need to make sure our release window does not coincide with, you know... Looking like any Any shape. active you know, federal investigations. Um, yeah. Makes, like, is it, now, I don't know much about legislature or anything like that. Is it possible that a, a Supreme Court could be like, hey, you can't release these games until our investigation of you is completed because we need to know if there was any kind no, of, like, no. fucking shitty ways that this game was made. No, no. they can't. No, not, not as such. Um, I didn't think so, but I, I wanted to double check. 
I mean, clearly you guys both being uh, lawyers would definitely be able to tell me. I've killed several lawyers. <laughs> With kindness. Yeah. Was, yeah. Was, In yeah. Minecraft. Was it gun? Uh, Gaygory98 <laughs> said, doesn't matter because gamers have terrible memory. Mm-hmm. A terrible me- memory may be bad, maybe more like selective memory, I think. Which is I, I, almost I don't feel synonymous like... in this situation. Yeah, I don't feel like you're off base to say there's a few, a large number of people that are just going to really pretend like they give a shit for a while and then just fuck off once those, game, new, those games in question drop. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, JSZ Yarto said, I think most can. It takes work, but this one, I don't know, in terms of Bobby Kotick and Activision Blizzard. It's yeah. going to take a... I want to I want to say it the way he, he spelled it. Love you, Jeff. Herculean effort. And even then they burn so much good will. Yeah. It's uh I don't know. There are still a lot of people out there that I think are supporting the company. So I think that if they make one big change, then people will kind of forget about this instance. And I don't think enough people necessarily really care either. Which is, I, I think there are a lot of people that care, but I think there are more people who don't care. And they're like, oh, Diablo 2? Okay. Yeah. 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 It's unfortunate, but probably accurate. Yeah. <laughs> None of this will matter when we're all one with the metaverse. <laughs> Jesus Christ. God. <laughs> and just sigh. Those commercials said, are just the why worst. Is, why is Activision Blizzard not cleaning house? Get rid of everything and rehire from the ground up, or in the case, from the top down. Yeah, I think the top down would probably be the better um way to approach yeah, that there because I an mean RTS. I mean, firing from the bottom up would just be like, "Oh, all of you who har- were harassed, <laughs> abused, get the fuck out of here." <laughs> I get I get what he meant, but no severance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we sexually abused you and you don't get health insurance now. Get the fuck out of my office. We spent all your severance on lawyers to mm-hmm. sue you. Before you try and sue us. But no. For um, what? That's what we paid these eggheads to figure out. Yeah. I, I honestly, in the case of something like a Gearbox or a Riot Games or a Blizzard and Activision or an Ubisoft, this is making me depressed just talking. Like, that is the case. This just is legitimate. Yeah, just list, list off the two guys that we don't currently know about is, is probably a shorter way to do this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I it's it's, it's easy nice to say we'll get rid of get of Randy Pitchford and the problem solved. Well, that's just one guy and somebody else. And also, takes you kind of can't get rid of Randy Pitchford because he sort of owns the company, right? Um, same with something like uh, well, not same, but it's similar in that Bobby Kotick should be gone, but. You have shareholders backing him, which is fucking gross to me. It makes sense because he made them money and he makes them a lot of money. Or he's the figurehead of them making a lot of money. Whatever you want to say there. Mm-hmm. But and he's a grown man gross. who goes by Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> How does that happen? What? Bobby Schmerda. But, um... <laughs> no, I... And, and, like, honestly, it's like, yeah, cool, there are other shareholders that are like vowing for him or not vowing vying for him to get removed as well but it's like 
are they doing that because they actually have moral values or they're like, because this is going to hurt our bottom dollar if we don't get rid of them well, sooner than later too. And it's like, I, specifically in this case, um, the biggest outcry we've seen from so far have been specifically activist shareholders in Activision yeah. Blizzard who, you know, specifically bought this stock in order to have not a lot of weight. I mean, it's millions of shares, but it's still like less than a percent of the company. But to have some say. In, to have yeah. some say in, in how the company is going about this, which is not a big enough voice currently. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely need more people, if nothing else, to start seeing how all of this bad press, especially any sort of loss of, you know, platform sales is going to hurt them personally. Um, even, even if they're complete bastards about it, this is going to start to hurt them personally if they don't fix this situation. Like, mm -hmm. hopefully, yeah. hopefully that'll be a wake up call. And, you know, it, it's not the right reason, but it, you know, it, maybe it'll still get done anyway. Yeah. It's, it's such a hard situation because I look at the situation and like to kind of give my closing thoughts and I'll let you guys give your closing thoughts as well. I look at these situations and it's like, okay, well just don't buy the fucking game, you know? But then you have all these people underneath these CEOs and these shareholders who make pittance, who have spent years, who are genuinely passionate about these games. Mm -hmm. Then you're fucking them over in some ways more than you're fucking the CEOs and the shareholders by not buying the game. And so it's like, okay, well, that, that is a situation that doesn't entirely work, but it helps me mentally and morally feel better. Okay, well, then let's get rid of the source of the problem. Well, if you get rid of Bobby Kotick, there are other people going to take his place because that's a culture that's deeply ingrained into that company and has been for yeah. decades now. Okay, well how do you get rid of the shareholders well you can't entirely um you can try and force them to sell but i don't know the process of that okay well you can have people spreading the word but that only goes so far bad press only goes so far and there's no definitive solution here like we we were trying i was trying to basically bring this topic so we can say like this behavior is not all right and I mean go ahead Sorry, no, was, it isn't kind of from a personal responsibility part of this. It's not, there isn't a solution that we have much of a say over at all. Any say, really. Um, like the closest I can think to it, and it's something that I've, I've heard from a lot of times, the best, the best way to go about this is to listen to the, to the developers, like do what they're asking you to do like like you're saying so in, in order to if they're walking out if they want if they're calling for a boycott do that um i, th I like, for like, a second i thought you meant like i know i thought you were making a joke of like listen to him like when bobby kodak walks into somebody's office and says hey get down on your knees and suck my dick i mean listen to them because that's what i thought that was a joke you were trying to make there <laughs> okay um no but but you know in order to help put some extra weight behind the people who are involved in the situation there and who want to fix things within the company. Um, 
you know, just to help them how you can, which still isn't a lot, but if if you can do something to make that easier for them, I, I think the biggest thing, which again, we don't have anything to do with, but one of the biggest things here would be to finally unionize the game industry. Like there are a lot of people walking out at Blizzard right now. And if they had way more collective power than they do just walking out right now, it would be a great way to address some of these problems. Um, yeah, it's, it certainly seems like a closer to a solution than not, I would say, by having a union. I don't know exactly what that would entail, the benefits and the negatives of that versus what's currently happening. I don't know enough about that. I'd have to look into that a little bit more. But well, it, yeah, from, yeah, from what little I know, it seems like a union would be very beneficial. It's not a catch-all solution, but it's a no. good it's, place to start. It's, unfortunately, it's not because we've weakened union laws over the last several decades, but essentially it legally requires the company to listen to your grievances at that point. Um, what, like, I have, I have a radical solution. What if, in the instance like Randy Pitchford, Bobby Kotick, who are accused of kind of cultivating this culture of sexual and power harassment, especially towards women, what if we just remove their penis? What if we shot them into the sun? Well, I mean, then they would have... They would have reason to try the and bury... The, the sun doesn't want those penises. What? Yeah, we shot their penises into the sun. Oh, I see what watch. you're saying. I thought you meant them, not their penises. Yeah. Well, I'm, no, I'm... That's, that's how we get them, because we Look. shoot their penises into the sun and be like, you want your penis? Better go after it. And <laughs> they shoot themselves into the sun. Well, I, I would be okay if Elon Musk decided to, instead of shooting random people in the space, he developed the technology... Shot himself shoot, into space. ...to shoot the penises into space. I'd be okay. Penis shooting technology. I, I mean, it seems that. like I think we have it that seems like he's you know heading in that direction. Given, I mean, rockets fairly phallic. It seems like he's really especially the one he made, right? Like he's unnecessarily going out of the way to make them more phallic. Like it's insane, really. We got firing the only the only spacecraft to have glands on them. Like what what is going on here? What is this blue squiggly mark that goes mm-hmm. all the way down the shaft of this rocket? Is that supposed oh, to imitate that's a vein? Uh, it's a fuel line. It can't be moved. It has to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why does it pulsate the further I get out of the Earth's atmosphere? That's <coughs> just that's weird. I don't know, but I mean, it it, it has to work a certain way. So definitely don't change anything mm-hmm. about it. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, it's not purely cosmetic. <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> I don't think there's one definitive solution. I think that, yeah, Josh is right at the end of the day for the, sm- like the smaller people at the company, quote unquote, smaller people to just listen, I think would probably be the best thing for us as the average person, what we can do to help them out. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can work toward, towards more solutions like becoming a union. I think those are probably the best solutions out there currently. I mean, you make some good points, but that video Target showed me 15 years ago told me that unions were bad. <laughs> so uh, it seems like they would know, right? Yeah, they would know. They would definitely know. Huh. Fair enough. Yeah. Do, does anyone else have any closing thoughts before we kind of wrap up the topic? Uh... Bebop shaking his head no. 
not say, saying fiduciary one more time for me. Mm. Fiduciary? Fiduciary, that's it, fiduciary. You're a fiduciary. I got him. And Boom! Him, I mean me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we can leave the topic there. Um, I think we talked enough about it, so. We're going to go take a quick breather, you know, try and get excited about the rest of the show, <laughs> and we'll be right <laughs> back with video games. X-ray, X-ray, read all about it. New magic store.sojump.com. Oh. You there, boy. What news? News, sir. New graphic designs over at store.swordchomp.com. New graphic designs at store.swordchomp.com. That's right, sir. My God. You can get all the designs you want on t-shirts, masks, hoodies, even phone cases. They've done it. Those Swordchomp boys have brought Christmas early. Oi, sir! This surely will be the best Christmas yet if you navigate over to store.swordchomp.com right now! God bless you, son. God bless us, everyone! And we're back! From our break of not thinking about video games for a few minutes, it was nice. But I'm excited to think about video games now. You said that word wrong, by the way, Shay. Which one? It's bussy, I believe, yeah. is the correct pronunciation. That's true. Butt pussy? You know, nobody's going to know what we're talking about. <laughs> this Greek bussy has me questioning my loyalty to Rome. <laughs> okay, Bane. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I've heard Bane adjacent voices from Rich for the past two years. I know what it's the like. fire rises. <laughs> so let's talk about the Halo Infinite multiplayer. Um, kind of a slight surprise. I know that some people thought it was going to happen. It was a big rumor that on the 20th anniversary of Xbox being Xbox being released, that that would be a big surprise. The multiplayer going live, and sure as shit, it did. So, so it was. Um. I think all all four of us have played it at this point. I spent some time with it this morning. Was able to carve out some time, thankfully, just in the nick of time. And so we're going to talk about it. So first impressions, Bebop. Since you are the guest, I want to give you the the honor of doing that. Okay. Uh, and I will start by saying that uh, I actually don't think that Halo 5's multiplayer was very bad. I just want to. I, I want to put it out there. Wrong. <laughs> I want to put it out there because I think that this is perfect Halo. Um, or well, not not perfect. You know what I'm Halo Three, but it's it took everything that I really liked about Five, and kind of amped it up, and then mixed it together with what made Three so great. Um, and we no longer have the shit that was in for, you know, the classes and like a lot of the garbage that that game did. Um, 
I I don't know. I'm in, I'm smitten with this so far. Okay, samezies. How do you guys feel, Rich and Josh, and or Josh? I I put a ton of time into this. I'm I kind of mirror Bebop sentiments. Not the part about Halo Five being good. That's just incorrect. Uh, um, the multiplayer is good. the The story is garbage. Uh, I think it's all garbage. Um, okay. uh, I uh, honestly, that might be because I didn't put a ton of time into Halo Five as uh, multiplayer because it kind of immediately put a bad taste in my mouth. And I, if I had stuck with it, maybe that would have proven untrue. Um, I feel like it's a, a number of things converging, though. It sort of feels like you remember in the right ways. I haven't been this into a Halo multiplayer since Reach, and now I'm probably more fired up for the campaign. Um, than I was previously because I like went in and did my rankings that first night. I was just in that flow. Like it took, um, um, I'd say two or three matches to shake the rust off, but like muscle memory came back and it reminded me of the differences that I love about Halo, which are that classic fucking dance of death. Like it is not COD. It is not battlefield. The difference in time to kill and like every encounter in Halo is just so different than those games. Like it is a legitimate shootout where you're reloading and just jumping around and trying to be the one who survives this. They, they, it's just such a different game compared to those. And it feels old by that comparison, but in a way that I've kind of missed. And maybe because I didn't play a ton of five that I'm feeling more into this because it feels like it's been so long. It kind of feels revitalized in some ways. I think about how battle royales have just dominated the last few years and how technical some of those games get. And I know, I know that kind of sounds weird to say a battle Royale is technical. I do feel comparatively to a halo online multiplayer experience. It is more technical because you have armor, you have bandages, you have the different guns, the different attachments, all that shit. And it's like, that can be really overwhelming on top of all the strategies and whatnot that you have to integrate where yeah, that, that was such a surprising thing for me too. And Josh, I want to get to you here in a second. That when I booted it up this morning, I was like, oh yeah. I was like, wait, how do I replenish my health? Oh yeah, I just have to duck and cover for a few seconds and the shield just re recharges on its own. Okay. Well, do I have to ping things? Well, I think they inter integrated the ping, ping ability. But I don't have to worry about that as much because they have reticles kind of denoting where certain objectives are or where your where your teammates are at and i was like okay that's one less thing i gotta worry about which is not completely um unusual because i mean the call of duty games when you play deathmatch or team deathmatch do something similar or search and destroy whatever it is nowadays uh they still have those things that exist there but it was just so simplistic that i felt like wow this kind of feels in a way refreshing where halo kind of started out and then other companies have built upon what halo has done halo simplicity in some ways feels like a breath of fresh fresh air now and it kind of feels like you have a leg up too because for me yeah i haven't played a halo game online since reach but i was like oh yeah I remember you throw the grenades off the wall in a specific way if you're throwing the frags or you throw the pulses in the right way. And it feels like just yesterday. It's like it's like riding a bike. I didn't forget how to do that shit. When you get that first Hail Mary again, like it's like, oh, yeah, I, it feels exactly like you remember. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think there's something to be said about that. The simplicity of the online multi multiplayer experience. Obviously, like we said, they have the ping that 
makes it more modern, but it largely feels just the same game with some weapons added to it as well, which I know Josh is probably going to want to talk about a little bit later. But yeah, the simplicity of it was really refreshing. I don't know. how Josh, how did you feel? First impressions. Yeah, like it is, it runs extremely well given the, the, the point it's at, which, I mean, it should. It was basically here a year ago, so it should run extremely well. Um, yeah. We had a few issues getting into a game together at the start, which may have been due to server overload because once we got in, it seemed to work fine, but like, um, yeah, but ran, we're talking ran. day one there. Yeah, that was, yeah, exactly. Like, day one, it was kind of more like a stress test than a beta. What were the issues yeah. you guys were having? Because I was having this morning, granted, I'm still, and I wanted to do this just because that way I can have a unique perspective here. I'm still yeah. on my base Xbox one. <laughs> but um no i i was having issues where it it was saying like it was trying to connect but it li- literally nothing was happening for a few minutes so i had to stop um, with the the try to pair up the matchmaking and restart it and then i could get to a room yeah it was it was just taking a while for some, some of them with me this morning but on top of that sometimes it would put us in a group we'd you know say we were in a fire team or whatever, and then we'd go to do something different and it would just disconnect us. Like it wasn't moving both of us along uh, occasionally. I, at I've the played beginning. with a bunch of people since then. And I, I, I haven't had those problems again. Yeah. I, I think I a think lot of it was finic- just the, this is way too many fucking people playing all at once sort of a thing. Also, I don't know day. what it, what it uh, encompasses. Cause I didn't have time to play before we started here today, but a 26 gig patch just dropped for that game it needed it i'm hoping it has the i also had some crashes going on in the game i Um, i had one or two yeah which yeah like it generally runs like a dream and then it'll just crash so it's it's got some stability issues going on uh at least on pc i'm sure it's more stable on consoles where they know exactly what the hardware is um but on pc it had it had some stability issues and i'm hoping this patch addresses that, as well as addresses their garbage sensitivity settings. Um, That's the main thing I wanted to look into because I, I would, I'm what they do by default. I'm comfortable with, but I also would make a ton of adjustments if given the option. And there's not a good amount of options just yet. Yeah, like you could tell or there might be by now. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe I haven't, I haven't seen the patch notes, but like you could tell the focus was on making trailers, making it look pretty because. They had the thing set up where you could set your field of view down to eight decimal points, and you, and they gave you one for your sensitivity, um, one I, like, a, out of a scale of one to ten. So you had like yeah, like it was it was nothing. Um, I will admit that when I first started the game, they give you the ability to kind of tinker around with the accessibility options. Mm-hmm. That was impressive. I'm glad. We've talked about that over the past year and a half, especially with, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> with The Last of Us 2 kind of starting that conversation for us in the past year and a half, that we are really starting to see accessibility be such a more prominent thing in gaming, and especially AAA games are starting to take note of that, thankfully. And this game is no different. Like, the amount of accessibility options that it had was staggering, and I was very impressed with that early on when i first booted up the game i didn't mess yeah. around with it much they, but uh, i was just impressed with all the options that they had 
yeah, they, they allow yeah. you to remap basically everything, which is always good. Uh, that's always good. Um, especially because some of these key bindings suck. Yeah, there are way too many fucking buttons, especially on PC. Um, it's like they're trying to do too much, um, honestly. And yeah, you're, you're going to need to remap some stuff because the defaults are bad. Um, I didn't have any issues with the, Well, granted, I'm not playing on PC. I'm playing on controller. We're, but. Yeah, we're talking about keybinding specifically. Okay, yeah, like the keybinding specifically counterintuitive are, stuff. yeah, really counterintuitive. Like just awkward stuff. Like, and anyway, um, but. It's mostly minor things. It's like, it's all fixable stuff. Like, you know, allowing well, you to, uh, you know, tweak the sensitivity properly. Frankly, they need to get, I don't know what resolution they tuned their field of view off of, but it's not correct. Uh, it's not, mm -hmm. well, it's not correct for 16 by nine, which is the most common screen size. Um, I, I think it's tuned for, you know, like a cinema like a, a wider wider screen uh, is what it seems like it's tuned for um old wide boy and i are doing great over here yeah but anyway anyway it's just this minor things here and there that were an issue like they knock out the little fixes and i think it'll be fine um and one thing they kind of already fixed that i want to speak to because i saw the change last night and was very happy with it um as someone who bought the premium battle pass that battle pass progression was garbage at launch um yeah it was it's it's challenge focus like there was never xp just for finishing matches mm -hmm. um that got dramatically changed already and they were pretty upfront about like hey we listened we took into account so now the way it works and i managed to climb a few tiers playing last night quickly whereas i had only climbed about four in about six hours before that um yeah. all the challenges overall are kind of made a little bit more accessible like change from very like weapon specific things or mode specific things to you know play any three pvp play any three ranked get 10 melee kills kill 10 spartans and also one of your constantly recycling dailies now is just play a match so you get at least 100 experience for every match you play um which like you're not going to climb tiers fast with that 100 experience but you're but getting you're something nothing. just yeah. for playing mm -hmm. uh so big positive change there um, and I, I think that that's, that's fantastic. Cause for someone who paid $10 into that, I was a little annoyed. I'm like, uh, I'm going to have to play 400 hours to get this battle also, pass done. I didn't know this initially. I found this out after the fact and a lot of games are doing this now, which I think is smarter. That battle pass does not expire. Yeah. Like you paid for it. You have as long as you want to unlock every tier of it. Yeah. Uh, which yes, is great. And yes, but still 400 hours is too much given yes no i, I like, agree it was, it was and, way too fucking slow at the beginning which is yeah like they they, they also have addressed I want that. that stuff man like the reason i bought it without hesitation is season one is heroes of reach and i want all those halo reach skins mm -hmm. yeah i mean bebop jump in there i mean <laughs> you've been pretty quiet tackle us uh, yeah uh i mean i i have been playing on console so i haven't noticed a lot of the stuff that you guys are talking about specifically um <clears throat> the one thing i did want to i guess bring up was uh i really like the way that they have 
uh, I mean, I, I already said it before, like they got rid of the loadouts and, and like, uh, yeah. like character abilities. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they went back to the equipment style of things because it makes you want to, well, it, it doesn't make you want to, you have to battle to get those things. So if you really yeah. want that grapple hook, you have to go and battle for it. It's not just some like ability that you get yeah. A- immediately. Yeah. If somebody things kills you on even with terms. a rocket launcher, it's because they won a fight to get that rocket launcher at that exactly. point. It's, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't tell you guys how many times last night while playing capture the flag, there, there's a map for CTF in this game that has an active camo that spawns in the middle. Mm-hmm. I felt like such a troll for how many times I just camped the active camo went invisible, and then leisurely walked the flag back to our base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... It's interesting. I, I kind of had a similar issue where uh, we were doing... I was doing an oddball uh, match, and there was a guy... There was a level with a gravity hammer, and this guy just would run there every time, get it, and just pummel my fucking team. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It took about two-thirds of the match for my team to be like, this guy keeps getting the fucking gravity hammer. We need to stop letting him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So- that's uh, another thing that I think I've noticed is I, and this might not be like uh, a, a matchmaking thing itself, but uh, more so maybe like newer people are getting to experience Halo for the first time. Yeah. But I have noticed a lot of people do not know how to play the objective based game modes. And it is so frustrating. It's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I think, Part of that is their quick play system matching you into who the fuck knows what when you queue for it. Like, I, I hope think that they should post beta. Yeah. I want just a Slayer playlist. Exactly. I like, CTF playlist I think you should know. Playlist. Exactly. You should know what game mode you're going into. Like, I, I get the I, I get for you can leave quick the quick play, play playlist, but yeah, there should be dedicated playlists. Also. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm getting at. Like, because it it does seem like sometimes you get into a match and it takes five minutes before anyone knows what they're doing. I, um, I will say, Josh, I am grateful for the quick play playlist because they've had certain things uh, grow on me. For example, that like power battery uh, big team battle thing we were doing that you and I mm-hmm. both hated. Yeah. I played a bunch of that since then. That mode's actually great once you like take okay. stock of it and kind of figure out how to do it. It, I think it's actually one of the more interesting objective-based modes, and it is, I think, the only brand-new mode. Okay. Yeah, I need to give that a shot with people who know what they're doing going on there, because it just seemed like a complete clusterfuck the few times well, to we be fair, it. Big Team Battle is always sort of a clusterfuck, but you like that's kind of half the appeal. <laughs> I, I think one of the cool things that they could do is, as they're putting you into a match, saying, like, oddball match starting in five four like even just giving that indication so you could be like if you're in a quick playlist be like oh i don't want to do that and back out before that happens i think they do i didn't see that maybe i just missed it i might be wrong i I think it it does it once you're in the match i think but i don't think it's like a i don't think it does it while you're still in the queue part of it like it gives you a veto option um Mm -hmm. at least not that that i saw coming yeah yeah, I, I don't, yeah, maybe, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but I, I think we can leave it at that. I mean, the game feels very much like old Halo felt, but yeah. also a little bit more modern in some ways, and yeah. I didn't realize how much I missed the multiplayer, because I was like, 
It's so good. I was having so much fun, and I almost didn't want to get ready this morning. I almost wanted to be like, ah, fuck breakfast, fuck getting the shot, fuck everything. I'm just going to play Halo. I I, the, I can't remember the last time I like was that gung ho to even play ranked in a game. Like when I think back to like Overwatch, like doing my placements was like a chore that I did over like three days. But here I just marathoned those ten matches. Be like, I want to get my rank. I want to get my Halo rank. And I'm sure part of that too is like starting a brand new game. We've talked about that in the past with progression early on in a lot of games now that have microtransactions or battle passes that you make a lot of progress early on. I'm sure ranked is a yeah. little bit different than that, but also that does play some effect into that. Sure. So, um, we will talk about Halo in the coming weeks because I'm sure we're all going to be having a little bit more time with Halo Infinite. And by coming weeks, I mean next week <laughs> before mm-hmm. we do our Game of the Year shows. Isn't that insane? It is a thing. Can't wait to really dig into that in January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, (laughs) it'll be fun. But uh, speaking of things going fast like time, we're going to be talking about some more Forza Horizon 5. Another game about speed, kind of. But uh, the drug. Yeah, I know that uh, Bebop, you've been playing that a lot lately. I know the guys have kind of the guys being mainly rich has talked a lot about it. But yeah, tell us about your experience with that game. Okay, uh, so I'm not completely caught up on the show, so I'm not sure what Rich has said. Uh, but Don't I'm worry make about a... repeating. Don't worry about that. Okay, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to make a bold statement here. Uh, I think that this is a game of the year contender. Um, I tend to like video games because they are fun, and I can... Very controversial eat. statement. Yeah. Implying uh, video games are fun. Right. But this is maybe the most fun I've had playing a game all year. Uh, I mean, it's, it's right up there with Resident Evil uh, Village and Hitman 3 for me. Um, I, I said I was smitten with Halo. I'm smitten with this game. I, since it's come out, have probably put, uh, I'd say, something close to 40, 50 hours into it. Uh, like, I'm almost max... Uh, a character rank I, I don't know what there's so many the, weird numbers that go up in that game i couldn't <laughs> tell you what number you're talking about yeah just the the whichever one you can get the highest on that i'm almost there i'm like level like 160 something and i think the the cap is 175 but uh i mean i've ran through almost all of the races uh the only stuff that i don't think i've really done much of has been like the cross country um Oh, those are some of my favorites. It's funny. Yeah, those, <laughs> those are real good. Those are, I think those were the last ones I unlocked for whatever reason. And that's just why I haven't gotten to them. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, the things that really work for me and the, the things that make this game fun for me is that it is as deep as you kind of want it to be. I don't like Gran Turismo or Forza Motorsport. Uh, they're they're too technical. Like I I like arcade racing. I don't want to like have to slow down at corners. I <laughs> know that's like a dumb thing to say, but like I like just smashing into shit and like getting in first place and just going. Uh, I, I I'm pretty sure you said this, Rich, before, but you like burnout. 
right? Yeah, yeah. The, you're you're mirroring like some of the stuff I said about our first play. Like I'm an arcadey racer guy, like which is why I am the Forza Horizon over Fo- Forza Motorsport because Forza Horizon doesn't take itself nearly as seriously. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and I love that. And it, it makes it makes cars, which is something that I like. I have a passing interest in. It makes that accessible to me. But when I play something like motorsport or Gran Turismo or something like that, it is completely not accessible to me. It's one of those things that I feel like I see these games and like there, I know people personally who will sit and they will be in the menus for like an hour and a half working on a tune for their car. That's insane to me. Just drive the fucking car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I get in here, I'm like, I'm going to upgrade this to S rank and I'm just going to like go. And I'm just humming the Speed Racer theme song and waiting to fucking go. Like, (laughs) it's, yeah, I'm exactly of the same mind. Like, Forza Horizon is as close to the technical end as I enjoy. Like, because I was not the Gran Turismo and Forza Motorsport guy, I was the Burnout and Wreckfest guy. Like, those are the, the games that just resonate with me. Yeah. Yeah. And what's I think really awesome for me is like if I ever wanted to get more technical, I can like they have all of the options that you would have in a Forza Motorsport. There's so many menus I don't need to look at. (laughs) It's it's insane how deep this game can get uh, on like a technical level. Uh, And I, I really admire how like they just give you everything and say, here, go. It's it's like a big sandbox. You can do literally anything you want. If you want to go and race like on a drag strip in like little like golf carts, uh, that's maybe a bad word. That's more of a wreck fest thing. <laughs> <laughs> but but like, uh, you know, the little like um, I don't know what you would call them. They're not golf carts, but you, uh, like the the little smaller like, the, like the, there's like a dune buggy esque things and yeah. shit like that, like lower lower tier vehicles. I, I know what you mean. Like it, yeah, there there's a a variety you almost wouldn't expect. Exactly. Um, especially in the off roading sections. Like uh, when I was talking about like the intro of that game and how like good it is at onboarding, I was comparing mm-hmm. it to Forza Motorsport, which is like drive the track and get a good spec car. And Forza Horizon Five opens with you want to drive a Ford through a volcano, yeah, right, yeah. Or you're like you're dropping out of the back of like a giant like Boeing, like whatever you, the hell it is. The like second race is a race against a Boeing. Yeah, like you're just racing a cargo plane. It's so ridiculous, and I I kind of think that that's why I love it. Like. It's uh, and it's in a weird way, similar to Hitman in that way and Resident Evil, because it is so just absurd with a playground. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I am. I really, really love this game. I haven't loved a uh, a racing game like this since probably Forza Horizon 3, which I think was 2016. That sounds um, right. That was the last time I brought a, I bought a racing wheel. That's how far in I got. Yeah. So I. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, this is a this is a game of the year contender for me, just purely based on how much fun I'm having with it. Um, it's a great game. It's a really great game. I, I wanted to actually see how you fall on this, because I think I mentioned it last episode, but I, it always merits repeating. 
one of my favorite things about Forza at this point as a franchise and Forza Horizon 5 day one had this going on was um, it's very clearly an all ages game. Anyone can enjoy it. But the second you go into a car auction, the first paint job recommended for any vehicle is the Pornhub logo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's uh, really crazy about like the auction house stuff with with regards to like deliveries and paint jobs and stuff that you can get like you can't upload custom images to that people yeah, they are made like, that by hand yeah it's insane some of the stuff that i'm seeing people do i'm like i don't understand i saw i'm one driving around a was... ferrari that has all the evolutions painted on it <laughs> yeah like it's ridiculous i i saw one that was like uh 2b from near automata like yeah and pe- people just made that like it's uh, it's crazy it's insanity Good game. Real good game. Good game, yeah. Cool. Well, there you have it. Um, the boys played some more Shin Megami Tensei V, which they wanted to discuss. Um, so anime game, anime game, and anime game. Let's talk about anime game. Josh, it's hit me. Anime. What do you think? Let's, let's, let's talk some Shin Megami Tensei. Um, I'm still early hours into this, um, just because, again... Had, had folks in town sure. so so didn't get a lot done this last week um but what i have seen of it um i am absolutely loving just the vibes of this one the way they the way they're putting this world together the the music in this game is just outstanding um it's the killer soundtrack i would say like if you're playing in handheld play headphones oh yeah for sure um otherwise i hope you have some good speakers the the thing that like the, the deeper i got into it the more happy i am with is that especially with atlas getting more people on board with like the success of persona and stuff persona is a far easier game than shimigami tensai uh shimigami tensai does not let up here uh mm-hmm. five it's fucking hard those demon negotiations are a bitch if you are not fusing and getting a little bit of a grind in there even on normal you are going to get your ass handed to you and yeah i which is, really appreciate the challenge yeah i kind of feel like the persona games have stepped away from the like the mainline games have always been a little tougher but like i feel like persona 3 was kind of the last one that was tough like they they really wanted yeah. you to do that you know fusing and, and i don't and think that's bad stuff but um, no, no, no. Persona but... is much more tonal and like about like the jovialness of it, and you mm-hmm. kind of get into a groove in combat. There's still grooves to be had in Shin Megami Tensei in the same sense, but it doesn't let you get into that. I'm stomping this. Gro-. Like you still need to be ready for shit to turn real quick. Yes. Yeah. There's. I mean, the the closest you get to that is like your first time in a new dungeon in like Persona. Um, because yeah. you're generally fairly under leveled at that point. They do a they do a fairly good job of having you. the The power curve is is has been really good in the last few Persona games as far as um, having you be just you know a, a single move from getting your ass handed to you at the beginning of most of these dungeons, and then by the time you're done. You're slapping. Yeah, just destroying right, everything yeah. in one turn by the time you kind of understand about, how they, the fights work. And 
when I platinum to Persona 5 Royal, uh, Royal, I killed death in like four turns because that's just how much I had grinded that game out. Um, yeah. And I'm still like on my tones with Shin Megami Tensai, which is, which is awesome because it, it means I'm constantly changing up my demon roster um, yeah. and just trying new fusions. And those demon negotiations will go like four or five levels deep and you never really know which way these assholes are going to swerve and then mm-hmm. ask you, suddenly you have no MP because I had to give fucking Jack-O-Lantern all my MP for him to join my team. Yeah. Yeah, I I like how mean it is. Um, Like, it's something that you just... Not a lot of games are that mean to you uh, at this point. Um, And it's just... It, I, don't know, I don't know. Like, it's... I don't always want something like that, but occasionally, that's kind of what I'm in the mood for. And I feel like this, you know... The series has always been really good at that, and this is this is that again, punishing in a, in a way I weirdly like. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As far as kind of like you I said mean, before, you, as far as you said, like kind of with with the Persona games becoming so much more mainstream, I think this is going to be a lot of people's first um, proper. SMT. Yeah, yeah, like main line. Which game. totally is such a departure. Like it, it is the story that is pretty much the setup of almost every SMT game, which I, I think we talked about in the show before. Like the the difference between Persona to SMT is like a Persona is a very typical JRPG story, which is like we need to stop the end of the world. SMT typically starts when the world has already ended. Yeah. Um I still feel like this is a fine jumping on point if you haven't done that because this game, yeah, A, has an easy mode and B, you can go download an even easier mode. Uh, there's there's an additional easier mode beyond that. DLC, that they just, yeah, that you can call baby ass baby mode. No. Yeah, like free DLC that you can download that they're just like, they want you to really, really be sure that, you know, you really want the easy, easy mode, which is kind of why they yeah. put an extra step. And normal is a it. challenge. Like, even for people who've played a ton of uh, turn-based mm-hmm. RPGs in the past, normal will be challenging. Yes, yes. Um, I'm, I'm not feeling super surprised as far as, like, kind of, you know, anything really shocking me going into it. Um, like it, it's mm-hmm. it's very much more of what I knew I was getting into, um, yeah. But but I think that's fine. Um, we'll we'll see we'll see kind of if it if it holds me for the full length of the game because that's kind of the what what really sets them apart a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. they're a slow feed narrative, but I, I think the. The overall feel is there. It's got that visual style, mm-hmm. and I'm 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 very much into it at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I've I'm I've I've really enjoyed the first few hours of it, and I know it's something that I enjoyed in the past. We'll see if it has the staying power to kind of pull me through it. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Looking promising though. Anime is always promising. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The last game we're going to talk about is one that Josh... No, sorry, not Josh. Rich also played. The Ruined King, A League of Legends. And he was uh, telling us anecdotally uh, before the show that 
uh, he had not really gotten into anything League of Legends since high school, I believe you said, correct? Yeah, or I haven't played much League since it launched, so we knew this game was coming, and I had been, like, tangentially interested in it, and it kind of still dropped out of nowhere, so I was like, fuck it, 30 bucks, I'm in, let's see what this is about. Um, so for anyone not paying attention to what Riot's been working on, um, I played a bunch of League of Legends, like Shay was saying, in high school, kind of around the time it came out, um, back when I was, like, into MOBAs, and then eventually, you know, I woke up and got out of that nightmare. Um, and the thing that I think is persisting about a game like League of Legends is, like, I am not into MOBAs so much anymore, but that, the world they've built over the years has great lore, it has great characters, it's super interesting. So, when they were like, hey, we're gonna make a turn-based RPG in the League of Legends universe, I was like, alright, okay. Um, and that's kind of what this is. Um, for people who are familiar with League of Legends, it is set in Bilgewater, which is sort of like this piratey port town. Um, they, I don't, I won't get too much into it because I'm only like three hours deep into it, but it is a turn-based RPG set in the League of Legends universe. A good number of, uh, League champions appear in it. Six of them, I believe in total, become your party members. Um, it is, I, I yeah, I think six in total. So and one percent of the parties. roster. Yeah, yeah, roughly 1% of the League of Legends roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got an interesting dynamic. I was, uh, it seems to take the most from Grandia, of all things, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Ah. Um, it has a lane-based RPG combat, which is to say, you're looking at the turn order on the bottom, and when you're doing an attack, you have different types of attack. You have instant attacks. And then you have uh, charge attacks, which basically um, instant attacks happen right now. Charge attacks are like ability based stuff that is going to take, you know, a certain amount of time to actually like pop off like you're charging a spell or something. Hmm. But when you're using those attacks, you can decide to change lanes. And there are two other lanes outside of neutral that you can go to. You can go to the speed lane, which means you're going to perform that attack faster, but do less damage. Um, and you can do the same thing with heals. Like, you can heal faster, but you'll heal for less. Or you can use the power lane, which it's going to take longer to charge, but it's going to hit harder. Um, and the other element you're trying to juggle with that is certain enemies might be charging an attack type that can be dispelled if you attack quickly from the speed lane. So I can see this enemy is charging this attack, but I can negate it if I attack him right now in the speed lane. Um... And likewise, sometimes there are area effects on the map, like a um, like a poison mist or something, and you'll actually see the poison mist represented by a box on the battle queue. And you're, when you go to do an attack, you can see on the queue when your character is going to get their next turn. So if they start their turn in that box, they're affected by that hmm. field uh, enhancement. So by going to different lanes and changing where they're going to land on the turn order you can effectively avoid poison or land in a zone where you'll get like an attack buff or a speed buff or something like that. Um, so it kind of makes you rethink how you're attacking based on what's going on in the field, uh, which I think is, is a really interesting concept. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, then beyond that too, I guess sort of lean into the, you know, lol stuff is uh, there's every character has a field ability, which they can use to enter combat. Uh, like an attack that maybe will inflict slow when the match starts or just deal a little bit of damage, stuff like that. And um, you are, as you're leveling up, getting skill abilities that you can 
tie into skill trees that feel a little bit like you're building a character in a MOBA, in the sense that you'll have a skill point, and I can say, go into um, Brahm's base shield attack. And I can choose to either go this route, and I could change this at any time, pull the skill point out and put it in the other field and see if that works for me. Or I can go, okay, going this way just boosts my overall attack by 5%. Um, but going this way makes it so I heal 10 health every turn, or every time I attack, my defense gets buffed by 5%. Stuff like that. So you can really kind of change the way you're building the characters out and complementing your party. There's a lot of uh, variety to it, and I, I think it's, it represents itself pretty well. Cool. Sounds better than the MOBA version of League of Legends. I mean, doesn't anything. Yeah. But like I said, th those characters in that world are great, and the writing is good, and the voice acting is charming. It's just nice to have it all in a game I actually want to play. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I had a, a roommate, good buddy of mine, who played that game for far too many years, and I'm, I'm glad he kicked his addiction. I remember uh, he was my roommate up until about 2017, and he was still playing that game, and I was like, bro. You gotta play better games, man. There's so many better games but out there. For for people who actually play LOL and haven't looked at this, like some of the, I'll give you a three three of the people I've been using most in my party who are uh, Misfortune, Brom, and Yasuo all make an appearance. They are my my current party build. Gangplank is the pirate from that game, right? Gangplank is in this game. I have a feeling he's going to appear as a boss at some point. Um, he 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 is in this game, but he is not a party member. Hmm. Ah, that's a bummer. He is the only one I remember from that game. <laughs> well, the first the first character you start playing as is uh, Misfortune, who uh, her and Gangplank don't get along so well in in LOL lore. So, oh okay. I just remember Gangplank. That's all I remember. So <laughs> he's memorable. I don't blame you. He's a weird fucking character. Plus, he's a pirate, and that's all I ever cared about he's, when I played. That there's game. a lot of pirates in this game. This takes the whole game is set in Bilgewater, which is where Gangplank is from. That sounds actually kind of cool, but um, we're going to take <laughs> one more quick commercial break and we're going to come right back with the social media polls. So stick around. We will be right back. Hey there. Welcome. If you found this, you must be listening to the Chompcast. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. I know you're wondering. Well, hey, Shay, tell them about the other podcast. Yes, I know you're wondering. What else could I listen to? Don't forget the other podcast. What else could I possibly listen to from these guys? Shut the fuck up. I'm about to tell them. As I was saying, if you want more content from us and you want to hear us talk more about video games, head over to SoreChomp.com where you can check out our other podcasts such as Chomping After Dark, a spoiler cast that deep dives on various games and movies and evoking the sublime where Shay breaks down the history and creation of a video game often paired with interviews from various developers thank you and enjoy And we're Good. back. We coming back from that break that we just took. That break right there that we just took. Yeah. So we're gonna do the uh, so we're gonna do the uh, social media polls now. It was real. I swear to God. I swear to God that the don't swear to God. Swear to me. <laughs> God, you sound sexy. 
<laughs> yeah, I was doing. I was Christian Bale being hmm. Batman. So that makes oh, is sense. That, is that American Psycho? Is that just another? No, that's that's thing the Batman Begins there for me. That's Batman Begins. Oh, whatever. I mean, Christian Bale, who was American Psycho, and Colin back. Yeah, What's you about ruined it. Same character. I know. I understood. Um, I understood the callback. I was doing not. Willem Dafoe from Okay, America. let's like, say this. You understood the callback, but you didn't understand the assignment. Is that fair to say? No, I understood all of it. I just chose not to engage. So you didn't understand the assignment. Okay. Anyways, the Halo Infinite multiplayer beta is now live on Xbox and PC. Are you excited to play it? And that was the poll I threw to the um, listeners of the show. We had a 66% of people said, hell yes. And 34% of people who said, not yet. I wasn't sure if any of us were going to play it, and it turns out all of us played it. So uh, for any of those of you who are on the fence, if you like the old Halo games and the old multiplayer, carve some time out. Yeah. (laughs) So many words from you guys. I think we covered it pretty extensively. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I was, I was, you guys really aren't understanding the assignments today. That was like where you guys were like, Gonna be hype men with me, but no, I guess oh, it's just me today. Okay. You guys are really leaving me hanging on this episode. Sorry, I was on the phone. Thanks, bro. On the Xbox 20th anniversary, Microsoft dropped more games for backwards compatibility with some first-person shooter boost for Fallout 3 and New Vegas, as well as the Gears games. Um, 76% of people said Xbox is killing it right now. And 24% of people said, who cares? And um, just as a precursor, this is the last big backwards compatibility um, bit that Microsoft is going to be doing. They're saying with the amount of resources, they're very transparent about it, with the amount of resources it costs, the money that that they have to invest into doing it. It's not lucrative enough for them to keep doing that over and over again. So this is the last big amount they included like I said, over 70 games. So I thought that was That's pretty cool. I th- think it's cool they're doing it, though, because I can't imagine it's lucrative at all because they don't really stand to make money off this, but from a preservationist standpoint, it's fucking awesome that they're doing it. Um, also, was, yeah. was first-person shooter, was that a joke, Shay? Or He said Fallout. You can play Fallout in first-person shooter mode. I mean, yeah, if you want to know bad. I thought, oh, maybe I'm confused. I mean, I thought you were, I thought you were trying to fair. say, I thought oh, you were you trying were... to say that the FPS frames per second up upgrade, but you said first person shooter. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 I may have mixed those two up. Yeah. Yeah. That might, might've been the case. Um, every time oh, I what, see you FP- were looking at their press release. Oh, every time I see FPS, I think first-person shooter, but I think you're right, frames per second. I just mix those two up, so. I didn't even catch that, but that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot more sense, yeah. My bad. Thank you for correcting me on that. I I don't think the other two guys would have caught me on that, so. I was just super confused, so I was like, uh, is that a joke? On that console, they're almost the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. As far as I can tell. But no, like, like Rich is saying, I think it's awesome. Um, some of the games, Oddworld, Munch's Odyssey, Skate 2, uh, Max Payne, Max Payne 3, Fear 2. A lot of good older games just for preservation. Like I, I wouldn't call Oddworld, Munch's Odyssey a good game. Uh, 
Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> Just want to be clear where my opinions lie. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jason Schreier wrote a comprehensive article about blockchain technology and video gaming as of now. It's a pretty comprehensive article and him just kind of looking at where the current state of blockchain technology is and um, how <laughs> viable be in or not game. viable it is to video gaming at this current point in time. The, the answer and is while, not. While I was going to say that the conclusion is that it is not viable right now there are intriguing concepts about it what like the implications of it so i was curious does this concept intrigue other people our fans and 46 percent of people said i'm curious and 54 percent of people said blockchain is a joke so i was curious how our fans felt because obviously yeah josh like you're saying that it really isn't viable right now and what they're kind of touting it as is Basically, the big appeal of blockchain technology is you can buy an outfit on a game from a company, and then if you want to bring that outfit to another character in the same company but a different game that they make, you're able to do that with blockchain technology, and that's the quote-unquote big appeal right now. And um, Jason Schreier pointed out, you can kind of do that with some games like Mass Effect 1 to Mass Effect 2 and 3. You can bring all your stuff through those games. and whatnot so you there can, really isn't a viable thing for it right now it's not a thing well, that you need a blockchain for like you can like some of some of the like like you said with that situation a, a lot of the other like the stuff like destiny if it's got its own account for the company itself you can do that without needing to burn the planet to do it um that's yeah <laughs> that's the big thing here is like I mean, we didn't, didn't cops 26 just happen? (sighs) You know what I mean? It seems, it's dumb. Like, I, I think that there's the possibility of this technology once it gets figured out being interesting and cool. And once we know, we as a society know what to do with it, I'm sure there can be some kind of benefit for it. But uh, Jason Schreier wrote it perfectly. He said, it's a solution to a problem we don't currently have. And I think, yeah, that, yeah, I think that is the yeah. best possible way to sum that up. Yeah, I, th- I think specifically for the, the blockchain and gaming thing, yes. It's, there, there's, this is not solving anything. But I, still, on top of that, I think blockchain in general is just destroying the planet for no as, good reason. as a as a legal way to do a Ponzi scheme, um, like that's that's literally its only goddamn function right now. But the solution to making it not burn the planet down is increases in computing power, which also just destroys the blockchain. Um, because the whole reason it works is that it burns the planet. That's, that's it. Unless it's burning the planet, it it doesn't work. That's, that's the whole reason it works. So couldn't millionaires just keep using the fine art industry to launder money. It seems that way. It seems like that was doing a good enough job. Yeah. I mean, and, and at least that way the art didn't suck. 
Yeah, that's true too. As I mean, much. we could bring the shitty NFT art into the fine art industry. Like, I would much rather see millionaires spending millions of dollars on large paintings of monkeys smoking joints. Yeah, why not? Bebop, how do you feel about this? Do you have like any prevailing opinions about it, or not so much? Uh, yeah, not really. Um, <laughs> I I have some friends who are like interested in crypto, and I, I like I like the idea of of decentralizing everything because you know fuck the Fed, um, taxation is theft. You know all those things. Um, got him. <laughs> got him. <laughs> but um. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I it a, a lot of this is over my head, and I kind of uh, I don't know what the application in gaming would really be like for. I, I like like Josh and and Rich were both saying we already have accounts for specific games for that very reason. So uh, yeah, so, I, I, what if every time you played Halo, it also set a rainforest on fire? Yeah. Oh yes, like, honestly. I love that. I don't the the thing I'm expecting expecting them to do with this shit at some point is to just have us mining their fucking currency for them anytime we've got the mm, game. That's what Chinese on. prisons are for. Because I I mean they've are with all the garbage DRM we've had over the last several years, people are already used to having bloatware put on their machine for no reason just to play a game. And honestly, I'm surprised they're not just doing that and just forgetting about trying to sell us on it. Because, I mean, that's kind of what they've been doing for decades at this point. Like, I, I, I don't understand why they're trying to sell us on this. Like, um, just just steal from us. We, we, we know you guys want to. Just uh, Just skip to that step so we can all stop pretending that you're helping us somehow. One other thing that the article mentioned that I think kind of brings the whole picture into focus is a lot of investors and and uh, those groups of people are wanting to see if these gaming companies have any, at least the intent to look into blockchain technology and gaming. So actually, a lot of the AAA developers especially are getting a lot of pressure from investors to start looking into this blockchain technology. So a lot of these companies are coming out and saying, yeah, we're looking into it. Uh, we're very optimistic and open about it, but there's realistically probably little to no intent to actually follow through with that just because they want to keep the investors happy. They need to at least uh, appear like they're interested because everyone needs to act like this is the future when it's yeah. literal nonsense. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean that's a more hopeful take. Honestly. I hope it's literal nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I I hope it's them just appeasing their seventy five year old stockholders who don't actually know what they're asking to have done. I mean, I also I also hope Elon Musk gets shot into the sun, but like not all of this is gonna come to pass. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the only issue I see here, um, with like trying to well, not the only I should I should say the main issue I see here with trying to quote unquote appease stockholders and investors and whatnot is that the big environmental implications here when we're already at a kind of critical point. Yeah. I think that it's fucking to me, it's literal insanity to be pursuing this technology when we are already on the brink of having 
catastrophic issues with the climate and whatnot. And I don't want to bring and bog down this podcast too much and get too tangential with that. I mean, that's what I, that's a lot of what I studied. That's a lot of what I'm interested in. It's what I, (laughs) it's always in the back of my mind, unfortunately. So I don't want to get too far into that, but to me, that's the biggest concern other than blockchain technology really not having a use so far in gaming. Yeah. Yeah. It only has negative uh, impact anywhere as far as I can tell, which is exactly what you're getting at, Shay. That's exactly the problem. And anytime I think about it, I just want to curl up at a ball and scream. But guys, we live in a simulation. We can destroy the environment. It's okay. We're breaking breaking it. Uh (laughs) Yeah. I don't, if, if we, like, here's the thing, Bebop, I know you're joking, but if we truly lived in a, in a simulation, I don't want to see what's outside of the simulation. Pull me, pull so. me out Fuck. now. Christ. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah fucking kill point. me. Yeah. Um, They're just, we're in a let's... simulation, they're just looking at the numbers and being like, see, they're ruining it too. They ruined the planet too. They just wanted <laughs> to see if we could get it right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that is the case. Who knows? This, this whole, whole endeavor. The human experience Sims sucks. is is just to validate some, you know, eight dimensional beings, Starbucks order that he's buying with crypto right now. The the, the Q continuum, <laughs> fucking with Picard, mm-hmm. validates that whole fucking oh, arc. God, let's move on. Due to supply, <laughs> due to supply lines and chip shortages, as you are all aware. We are seeing gaming affected in multiple ways, such as um, the Steam Deck is going to be delayed by two months, so it's not going to be releasing until 2022, which um, 72% of people said, I can wait. And 28% of people said, more delays for fuck's sake. I don't see the big deal here. There's not a big deal. It's fine. Be patient. The I mean, play date got delayed. We should be more up in arms about that. Yeah, that's really sad. I mean, like, to be honest with you, the, the pre-order system was done, I think, pretty well for the Steam Deck. Oh, yeah. So yeah. anybody who genuinely wants it, I mean, they, I, or I shouldn't say that. Most of the people who really fervently wanted it have already reserved it at this point. And two months is not a big deal. Whereas, like, you, you look at um, yeah. what we're going to be talking about in the next poll which I think is the more egregious example of, of not necessarily delays, but just kind of in that, that scope. Two months is nothing. Yeah, and I, I, again, like the way the pre-orders are being done with that are infinitely better than the just train wreck that has been the PS5 and Xbox. Who, who, the, who the fuck knows release? Um, that's going to be the name of the next console yeah xbox, the who xbox the who the fuck knows like <laughs> god damn it how how have they fucked the naming convention that badly anyway yeah and 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 i think just being able to announce okay right now our entire supply chain is pushed back x amount is a way more reasonable ask than being like oh we're just we're out hope you can get one um yeah <laughs> Yeah, speaking of that, actually, uh, another poll that I ran, Sony is also slowing the production of PS5s due to chip shortages. Well, everybody who got one, who wanted one has one, so that's fine, probably. Yeah, we both have one. Yeah, me and Josh both have them, so I think we're good. (laughs) We're good. Bebop, do you have one, too? Yeah. 
fuck? No, <laughs> we're great. We're all great here. You have a Series X and a PS5, so suck it, Shay. <laughs> I have not Nerd. even seen a PS5 in person. That's how rare they are over here. Dang, that's you so you might me. have, but it just didn't register because you probably, <laughs> like... You thought it was a fine art piece. Yeah, you thought it was an <laughs> yeah. installation somewhere. Like, you turn a city block and you see it towering on the horizon. Um, that's exquisite. What yeah. is that? It's yeah. a brand new PS5. PlayStation 5, my boy. <laughs> From Sony. Get yours now, if you're lucky. But anyways, uh, 72% of people said can't be helped. And 20, 28% of people said Xbox is killing it. <laughs> I just did that one kind of tongue in cheek, but um, yeah, the, the fact that the PS5 is still that hard to get for a lot of people, and then on top of that, they're even going to be reducing the amount of production, which I understand. Yes, in all seriousness, it really can't be helped. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I agree with the it can't be helped part. I do think they just need a better way to distribute them at this point. Like it's. It should not be this much of a crapshoot. The thing Steam did worked pretty well, and Sony tried to do a version of that that was not done nearly as effectively. Oh yeah, with like, their um, I I still think sign that, a loyalty uh, you know, some, pact and yeah, promise to give them your say, next three children, and and maybe you'll get on the list. This isn't really um a Mushroom fair like tablet assessment, but I. I would have gone with the way like Steam had you go into Steam and be like, I'm interested and I want a chance to pre-order this thing. Yep. If you, as a PS4 owner, I feel like you should have been able to do it through the console what up? to go in and say, I want to be able to pre-order this thing and get put on a list that way. I Yeah. Mm -hmm. The only hard part about that is that um, with the fact that maybe there are multiple PlayStations in a household, I, I guess the computer doesn't really matter actually either. I would say that... Um, do it on a PSN ID basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was just gonna say that actually, and also, I think that with the Steam Deck, I I imagine that there are less people who want a Steam Deck versus a PS Five. I think that there's probably a bigger call for yeah, yeah, with PS5. the whole new so console might... generation. Yeah, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah, that's that's fair to say. Yeah, but still, I, I yeah. I'm sure it's not as easy as I'm making it out to be. But I'm just looking for solutions. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Anything. Anything better than having to check a million different retailers at yeah. who knows when. Yeah, Can't believe you guys made me go to a Walmart. Right? <laughs> Fair enough. Never forgive you for that. I wouldn't. <laughs> um, Pikmin Bloom, as of this poll, had dropped two weeks ago. It's almost three weeks now. Have you checked it out yet? 13% of people said, it's awesome. And 87% of people said, looks cute, but no. Just got my first white Pikmin today. Ooh, pretty cool. What what what's what's special about the the white Pikmin? They're they, poisonous. They get macaroni and cheese. Yeah, they get. Callback. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, they're just the they're just a high level Pikmin. Uh, I, I I I I we talked about this lightly. I don't know if we actually did on the podcast. I play a ton of Pikmin Bloom. Um, I just like it. I think it's more effective as like a, uh, get out there and do shit tool than Pokemon Go was. Cause it's an actual pedometer, uh, like a count your steps and you, you grow Pikmin by walking 
And I don't know. It's it's cute. It's got all the noises you want. I send my Pikmin out to go get other seedlings and plant them. And uh, I don't know. Just neat. Like, I'm not going to pretend like it's some novel gameplay experience. I just like tapping on the Pikmin while I'm in my office. And then I go in walks and they go, you stepped, you had 3,000 steps. Your white Pikmin's ready to be, uh, to be plucked. And I'm like, hooray. That's <laughs> what I was just going to say. Um, a patron and friend of ours, Fletch, had messaged me about it. And he said that he picked it up and the gameplay is pretty, you know, it is what it is. But he said, I actually use it more as a glorified walking counter because it, yeah. or step counter. Yeah. It yeah. Tracks all your steps and everything. And it's a little bit more interactive. And yeah. Like, a pedo meter. Sense. I, this is going to be a really weird uh, thing to mention. I fucking, uh, one of my coworkers, I got him, I got him into it. And there's this whole mechanic where like, like where Pokemon gyms are and stuff and Pokemon go, there are these big flower buds. And one of the main stepping things you do in Pikmin is you go, I'm going to plant flowers. And then you walk and you leave a trail of flowers in your wake. If you walk around one of these buds while planting flowers enough, a giant flower blooms and you get a ton of drops from it. It's 7 p.m. one night. We're leaving the office directly <laughs> across from our office in this business park. There's um, a big like jet on display, like a decommissioned jet. It's pitch black in this office park, 7 p.m., no one around. We're both in the parking lot. I'm like, hey, you want to walk across the street and just walk circles around the jet for 45 minutes? And we did so until we made this flower bloom to get the Pikmin drops. And there's security cameras for this jet everywhere. And I'm like, somebody is watching this security footage right now just being like, what the fuck are these guys doing? You know, that actually makes me kind of curious to see what people were thinking when Pokemon Go first dropped. Because you guys remember how fucking crazy it was. Like, Mm. I remember still to this day, like, people, like, fucking speeding through the streets in my college town, just pulling over on the side of the road on opposite side, just freaking out, trying to catch Pokemon. I can only imagine what the city security people were watching on those cameras. Dude, this is, that was like one of the, I always say that summer was phenomenal. Just going around everywhere with people. I distinctly remember going to like beaches on Long Island and everybody's playing Pokemon Go. Like, you're walking up and down the boardwalk, and you're in some brush, like, where you clearly shouldn't be, and some other dude just pokes his head out. He's like, you guys looking for the pony tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shit was so cool. And they actually still do a lot of events here in Japan. If I go to a convenience store or a department store, they're advertising specific things for Pokemon Go. So it's still a fairly common thing here. I still see people playing it on the train every day. So Yeah. And not Before person, Bloom people. came out, I was still playing that. Hmm. Yeah, it's jo- uh, sorry, not Josh Bebop. Did you get into Pokemon Go ever, or have you played Pikmin Bloom yet? No, I I tried Pokemon Go for like a day, and I was like, nope, not for me. So I haven't even thought about trying Pikmin Bloom. Yeah, I imagine all that's on your mind is uh, cars. All that that's it. That's the only thing on my mind. Yeah, you think they got Pikmin designs for the cars? <laughs> <laughs> probably. You could probably check for you real quick. Yeah, yeah I'll, go, I'll go check right now. Take a look. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Not no a, interest. Darn. Darn. Nintendo shut that shit down. Just my EV car that I'm driving around. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. The last poll, um, I did was, I can't wait for Black Friday to be done. I'm so fucking tired of hearing about. The deals. I've gotten 
so many emails from the various things that I bought stuff online from like, hey, we have Black Friday deals. And then when I'm checking news for video games, it's like, oh, find out where you can pick up a PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X for Black Friday deals or... Spoiler, nowhere. No, yeah, right. Dude, it's just nonstop barrage of these advertisements for this. And I'm like, shut the fuck up and leave me alone. I'll- you can get a PS5 at my house for six grand. <laughs> Lightly six. used. Yeah. Interesting. But, um, oh yeah, I kind of forgot to reveal the, uh, the results of the poll. I just, I announced the poll, but I didn't tell you guys the results of the poll. You know, that's, that's the thing that we actually do. And I forgot to do it, but, um, no, uh, I gotta find it. Sorry. 76% of people said true and 24% of people said false. They're not tired of hearing about the deals. Where do you guys fall? I um, have noticed that here. <laughs> yeah. I have a fun story that has nothing to do with video games uh, in regards to Black Friday deals. <clears throat> um, so we were in... Uh, we, we just got back from Chicago. We had to go for a wedding and we knew that it was going to be kind of cold. Uh, and we're also going up to green Bay to go see the, the Packers game on Christmas. So we were like, well, we need to make sure that we are a hundred percent bundled up, whatever. Yeah. So we, we go into a store, uh, we went into Kohl's and we were like, okay, let's just look around. And everywhere we looked, they had black Friday deals up already. This was at the end of October. Do they yeah, like know sure. what Black Friday is? Like, right? <laughs> like, I, I kind of just, I, as someone who has worked retail, or well, I don't work retail anymore, but worked retail for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it always frustrated the hell out of me as a worker that they didn't just do deals more along the entire month, as opposed to one day where everyone is like smashed into like yeah. one little place to get like a TV for like a hundred dollars off. It's not the holidays unless someone gets trampled to death. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, My- but I saw this and I was like, what the fuck is going on? It's not even November yet. My, my favorite black Friday experience is, um, I had to work one black Friday at home Depot. And I thought this is the last place people are going to go crazy. <laughs> and, uh, I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as the doors yep. open, people shoving each other for tools and shit that are like discounted at a dollar or two cheaper, and I was like, "Cool." My yeah, man, and it's I worked fucking at ridiculous. Toys R Us for three Black Fridays, but Ugh. Toys R Us makes sense. Toys R Us makes sense. From I don't know if they uh, well I can't say they still do it like uh but when I was there back in the day from about October twenty twenty fifth like towards the tail end of October through to February. Toys R Us had security guards. It was the only time oh we ever had them. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah I, I just don't understand what the, what the big deal is. Just like, you can get these same deals once a month. You don't have to go out on one day to get these same exact deals. They're in it for the love of the game. I mean, yeah. s- some of those things are discounted a little bit more. but A little bit more. But, but it's not deal- drastically no, I th- there are a f- there every year there are a few few very good deals and they're so few and far in between that I would never want to deal with the stress of trying to go shopping on Black oh, Friday. Yeah, yeah no. Never. 
I used work. to go to malls on Black Friday for the fun of it. Like, if I was, I'd be like, not, I would n- I'd not even intend to buy anything. You're just <laughs> like, sitting in the food court watching people shove each other yes, and shit. Yes, screaming. exactly. <laughs> I had like two friends. We would do it every year. Should have filmed it, man. Go there, take great. bets on how many marriages you're gonna see end in that mall. We would be, we would be at uh, <laughs> Roosevelt Field Mall on Long Island, one of the biggest malls in the country, and just watch the bloodbath. That's hot. Get some Wendy's, <laughs> dude. I, I hate to say this, Zach. I miss, I miss Wendy's chicken nuggets sometimes. I associate the taste of Wendy's chicken nuggets with bloodshed now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is to me so good yeah yeah i miss i miss wendy's i hate admitting that but i kind of miss them there's one in osaka actually but they don't serve the same food huh yeah it's not terribly surprising but you know i'm gonna have to go there sometime and just order a bunch of food and like film it and tell you guys or show you guys the experience talk about the differences yeah yeah yes same with the taco bell here in japan that exists do they use meat no. no, it's that's also the biggest no. difference. They use meat. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Uh, Fair enough. But that's gonna wrap up the polls. If you ever want to vote on those, every Tuesday at the Sword Shop Instagram, feel free to head over there, vote on those polls, and uh, we can have some fun conversations in regards to the results. They're always interesting and fun. But uh, that's pretty much gonna wrap up the show. Um, we did the thing. Just as a before uh, I say goodbye, we all say goodbye and everything. Just a few quick reminders that uh, next week is the last week before we start doing the game of the year stuff. If you are a Patreon, please drop any um, category ideas you guys have for the game of the Patreon game of the year category. Um, we're going to be starting to get voting on those next week. And then we are going to be taking two weeks off the last week in December and the first week in January. We're going to be taking off to um relax and cry well not cry just build ourselves up for the eventual crying of the following year more or less but either way for you shay (laughs) cry for For all the big sad as we call it the biggest of sads but um also if you like what we do please check out our website where you can access more podcasts the patreon which keeps us alive, merchandise, articles, all sorts of stuff. Um, we slightly revamped the site this week to make it a little bit easier to navigate some of that stuff, so you can check that out. And um, before we part ways, we want to say thank you to Mr. Bebop for dropping by the show, talking a little bit, and hanging out a lot of bit. We appreciate you being here. If people want to check out your stuff, how do they do that? Well, uh, probably the best place to do that would go be to uh, to go over to one of our social medias. Um, pretty much everywhere, it's just culture underscore bop. Uh, I think that's the Instagram handle. I'm pretty sure that's the Twitter handle. Um, I try to post there regularly, but uh, I'm pretty bad about it because I kind of despise social media. Mm. Um, but uh, I do have some uh, some pretty nice takes uh, on my own pers- uh, personal uh, Twitter. Uh, that's at the Bebopman182. Um, yeah, so go check that out if you feel so inclined. 
What about your podcast, man? <laughs> you want to plug oh. your own podcast? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, uh, Just like, I nah. Guess, I guess I could do that. Uh, no, <laughs> I was thinking more social media stuff. Um, but, uh-huh. yeah, I... Uh, I host a video game podcast, um, very similar to what these boys are doing over here, just uh, like way worse. Um, it's called Hunting Pixels. pretty bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, well, it's mostly bad because I'm here. Um, but, uh, I think I contribute heavy, heavily to that. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's Hunting Pixels. It's a fun time. Uh, we discuss a little bit more than video games um, over, over there. Uh, and then I actually just started a second podcast called Culture Bop Selects. Um, and over there, we discuss uh, all kinds of media. We just put out an episode about uh, Cowboy Bebop. Um, we have one about 1978's Halloween. We have one about The Watchmen. Um, we have one about the masterpiece from 1984, uh, Russia's Moving Pictures. Um that Shay was very upset that he was not a part of. I'm very pissed off about that. Mm. <laughs> uh, but pissed. yeah, it's um, it's a fun time. I am what really up- enjoying. What that. upcoming episodes do you have coming out? Um, so planned, at least we have one actually involving one one Shay Layton uh, that is coming out. I'd have to check the schedule. Damn it! You you put me on the spot, you bastard. Um, dark side of the moon is coming up that's it yeah december 12th i think don't worry i know your schedule oh okay thank (laughs) thank you uh but yeah we'll be talking about dark side of the moon i think shay's gonna join us for uh eternal sunshine of the spotless mind as well sometime in february february yes um so yeah uh but uh, immediately coming up soon uh we're going to be talking about uh skyfall from 2000 and 10 2011 that sounds right yeah and uh and for the end of the year i we're going to be talking about my favorite book of all time the great gatsby so yeah fun okay. stuff coming up cool man skyfall well, yeah. 2012 everyone 2012 oh, i was wow. i almost yeah. said 2012 i should have trusted myself god damn it but yeah thank you for being here man appreciate yeah. it thank you thank you and yeah if you like him check it or even if you don't, go check out his shit because it's awesome. And it's not shit. It's awesome shit. It's wonderful shit. I took an awesome shit today. It's the kind of shit where as soon as you're done, you don't have to wipe. You know you that should, kind of You shit. should don't trust your body that much. You should wipe yeah. regardless. Always wipe. I mean, you do the one wipe and you're like, oh shit, there's nothing there. That's the type of shit. Then you call your doctor. You, you, you ever worry you just missed the <laughs> asshole when you do that? It's like, maybe. <laughs> uh, that was my arm. Maybe. No wonder why. Yeah. Oh, Lord, that was heaven. all gooch. <laughs> <laughs> Perineum. Perineum. But, um, <clears throat> however that's pronounced. But, anyways, uh, we're going to get out of here. Um, thank you to Rich for being here from New York, Josh for being here from North Carolina. I was your host, Shay, from Japan. And thank you so much for checking out the show. Hopefully you loved it. Hopefully uh, you check out more shows. The Game of the Year shows are coming up. They're going to be... Oh, I'm excited for those shows, actually. I'm really excited for them. Anyways, take care. Be well. Stay safe. Be kind. And we'll catch you on the next episode.